you mean? You got it. What up, everybody? Hey, guys. I can't hear you, but hey. <laughs> it's preview connect streaming software to go live. See what I'm saying? So you got it now? Uh, yeah. How did we do it last time? You got that. I think you just got to, sh- I don't know. No, you got to um, turn the volume down. Oh, no, we had to just not watch it from us. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you got to. But yeah, I don't know. So it's still live. Still live. It's just that we're not. Yeah, it's just we're watching it from here. So it's the same thing as the, I remember you telling me last time. All right. Okay. Um, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Steve Myers, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah brother Steve Myers. Weber is going to be joining us shortly, I think. Which is going to be awesome. Awesome, right on. So I may have to jump off of here and go let him in and maybe even show him where we're at. Oh, we are. Faith says we are live on Instagram. All right. Well, I hope everybody is having a good day or had a good day. Enjoyed their church service, you know. Uh, Filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm. We're about to go on. We're going to bring the radio audience on in a second. But um, so. One of the problems I have with the uh, we're going there. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the problems that I have it, with uh, preaching Ooh, is uh, can you hear me? Sometimes you know how I like it. Well, I, well, I know that, but it's like I can't hear myself, so it's kind of like you can't hear yourself. Barely. Try to do a headset. Yeah, I don't know if it's the headset. You're good. Keep on going. One of the problems I have with preaching today is uh, sometimes we, we we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. Right, uh, which is problematic because it's like we have to be very careful. We got yeah, we got we got to be careful. And make sure everyone knows. And sometimes, sometimes we ourselves get entirely too familiar with scripture. Right, you know what I mean. And so we'll say, you know, the scripture, and everyone's like, no, I, I just got saved yesterday. I do not know the right. scripture. Or and it's like we've got to make sure that we're not so ahead of ourselves. Uh, and 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 there are certain Bible chapters, Bible verses. Uh, Tech, Bible techniques that that make us kind of careless over Scripture, mm. and Matthew five is one of those. Ooh. The Beatitudes, it's like, oh, you know the Beatitudes, and it's like, well, no, <laughs> people right. don't know. You know, it's like, hey, like, what setting was he talking in? Who is he talking to? Uh, you know, uh, Nicaea. <laughs> he's, well, he's like, well, I mean, come on, yeah, he's like, come on, we need a new Nicaea. Well, 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 even if, even if not taking it, you know, in this context of what Nicaea actually was, but in the context that we need to be living every day with every believer we talk to, understanding that we are starting, we possibly are starting from that scratch point, yeah, that beginning we, point of with their with their walk. If, if anything, there has to be an opportunity in the church for a new beginning Bible study, a Bible right. class for new beginners. Uh, versus just throwing everybody in the, the, and, and saying catch up, right? Like, hey, good luck. You, you know what I mean? That that becomes you know you know very problematic, and and, and it's because you know and this, this people don't like to feel left behind, especially when they're authentic, that in the group chart. when they're authentically trying to to learn, right? You well, know, uh, and that's you know kind of what we slightly experienced a little bit today. It was mishap, but not on the preacher's part. Just. The thoughts that you know, whenever we were sitting there talking, like we knew the scriptures, right? And but the thing is, is that it may it was labeled wrong. So others that maybe didn't know it, and then they go to look it up later, 
how is that going to affect them? Right. Are they going to be able to look at the preacher the same? And that's where we have to be very mindful and very respectful to one another. Be like, hey, look, I seen this, what, you know, and always backing each other up. Like, right. You know, I was like, hey, I need to help you here because this is what I just saw. And I want to make sure that you're not looked at as trying to mislead or something along that line. Yeah, it is because people are quick to, mm-hmm. you know, judge and quick to say, hey, you know, what does this mean? Especially if they are in their word, They're like, oh, I can't take you seriously or, or whatever. Oh. But 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 good catch, man, having people oh, passes back. And, say. You know, but uh, but but I, I do got to say this, though, that Matthew five is. I think terribly mishandled uh, and that people uh, run through it as if you said the whole Bible, it's like the whole thing. (laughs) Well, it is. I'm just, I mean, I know where you're coming from and I know you want to focus on Matthew five tonight, but I just want to be, yeah, I want to speak the fullness of this because it is the whole scriptures that are mishandled. Right. That's that cherry picking. Yeah, taking taking bits and pieces out mm-hmm. that you know when you that you want to. Oh, I don't like uh, that one, so I'm just gonna leave that out. Yeah, you you just can't do that. Uh, keeping things in context mm-hmm. is you know uh, like the other day that you, you know when we were listening to the song oh. and <laughs> it was just like like a bride. So I want to tell you something about this. Is what I mean about taking like there there there's surface level. I'm gonna give you a perfect example. There's surface level. Uh, teachings that sound really good, but they're off. So let's say if a if a if a, a man was to go to a woman and say, "My love for you is like the sun. It'll it, it'll be with you at the setting of the sun and the rising of the sun." That, that sounds poetic, right? If, if I if I said to a woman, my love for you is like the rising of the sun, it's a setting of the sun, meaning it's a sure thing, just as what? sure as the sun rises, the just sun as sets. sets. All right. So you go, whoa, that guy, that guy was really neat. Then this other guy comes up and says, My love for you is like the sun, it'll never go anywhere. Come on. Which one? So if 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 a person thinks about it, they both sound poetic. Right. right. Only one is telling the truth. Honestly, the second one to me. The second one, because the sun doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, the sun's always here. The sun is always there. It's, I mean, you, you know what I mean? The sun's always there. It's always. Like, if your love is always. always like, so you're telling me basically what, because I actually was making a comment as you were saying that, like, <laughs> so what? What are you going to do at night? You're not going to love me when the night's here? Is that what this is? But, but, but when the night falls, you go out and be promiscuous with other people? That's what I'm saying. But the truth is the sun doesn't go anywhere. So for the sake of analogies and poetic, uh, poetic theology or or poetic theatrics, trying to romance or win someone over, what happens is things can lose its context because now you're focused on saying the deepest thing versus the most accurate. Right. But in our life, we don't need poetry. We need accuracy. Well, we need well, we need both. The, the poetry that leads to accuracy or the poetry or the that accuracy leads. that is poetry. So but nature itself is poetry. So when G, so when God says, look at the ants, oh ye sluggard, he's like, let the ants inspire the slugger. I never told you. And I, I love how you keep using that verse. You should ask, you should really talk to my brother Travis one day. <laughs> I don't I'm not I can't remember if the father actually had me put this out. But for probably a good week. To two weeks straight, I had this little anthill that I would just watch and feed, and 
I would watch things happen as like the word, you know, kind of like the soil and stuff, the kind of 30, 60, you know, or the good soil versus the bad soil, yeah. the rocky soil, the, the thorns would come up. I would watch how if I, when I fed them at a certain time, how they would all come together and they would just all swarm it all at once. And it was like, they were just, they were like, they knew they just got gifted something. But then after about a week of me doing that, they actually stopped coming to the food. It's like they took God's blessings. And I mean, I'm just, listen, guys, when I say this, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm just saying from this perspective, right? Like as I was feeding them, like the first times whenever you're feeding them, they were all hungry. And it really makes me think of the Old Testament when I start thinking about this and to the New Testament. Like, and then where we are now, like seriously, like before I fed them, the less that showed up. Oh, Wow. You, oh yeah, you see it now, don't oh, you? Wow. Yeah, and this is what's crazy, is that's what I see happening from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the current situation in which we find ourselves. Yeah. God has fed us so much that now only a few are going to make it because the, some have just gotten fat and lazy, for the lack of a better way of putting it. They've just gotten filled up like, oh, God's going to bless me anyways. I got this stored up. I got this. I got that. I got a nice home. I got millions of dollars. I got everything I need. God's blessed me truly. But stop doing the work that was necessary to keep God's blessings coming. Yeah. You know, if people knew the passion that when God is sending people to the earth that genuinely, and he's been doing this, he's always done oh, yeah. this. Oh, where he sent people to the five. earth that really genuinely wanted to walk in his presence and walk in his character amen now think about this why would anyone want to walk into the character of somebody who is grossly mishandled misunderstood treated poorly i want you to think about the, the suffering of christ not just the cross mm. but being able to do all these amazing things to be able to do all these amazing things for the good of people and be missed. And know how they were going to look at you, know yeah. how they were going to treat you, know that they were going to literally mock and scorn you and beat you to death. Have you noticed the people that you try to show the most kindness to are the ones that end up hurting you the most? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That That's the reality, you know, that's so... Like when you see someone willing to walk in the crisis, like, oh, that's what they're doing. They're not trying to be business people. They're not trying to be millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> These are people that are saying, I want to be like Christ. You know? <laughs> right, right. Hello. You know, and I know, guys. I'm it's like, whoa. Insufferable at times. Yeah. It, you know, and it's like, how do you make this guy happy? You know, you, you, where most people will celebrate nine, nine, uh, nine truths in one lie. You know, you got some people that only celebrate the truth. The truth, the truth yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. care if it's just one truth. I don't want to hear anything about the lie. I don't want to. I don't want to see any type of deception. I don't want to see any mishandling of God's word. Like, and this is where I sit. Like for me, like, and I say, yeah, I'm going to talk about myself, guys. I'm sorry, but I'm not because I know what God's done in my life. Because whenever I was mishandling the word of God, when I was I was suffering in such a way, it was it was it was unspeakable how many things were going wrong and then you think about these fresh souls that are that are coming to the lord and you don't want them to suffer you like you know protect their fire with people that have been mishandling the word 
Right. Look, that's the scary part for me. Like, that's, I mean, dude, I'm just being honest with everybody here tonight because you know what? It's been a week. Yeah, yeah. It's been a week, guys. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it just has. I mean, just to put it lightly, it's been a week for me. It's been an awesome week. Don't get me wrong. It's been a blessed week. It's been a truly profound week. But it's like I sit here and I want everybody to understand I'm not trying to be that guy that is holier than thou. I'm not trying to be that person. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show people the truth. And I mean God's truth, not my truth, but God's truth. And I want everybody to understand what I see. I could be totally wrong. And I hope and pray that I am wrong because I want to save more souls. I want more souls to come to Christ. But if I am right, then I see a lot of people getting told to depart from me. Getting seen a lot. It's of so interesting that your concern is not just the loss, though. It's like you, no. you talk about the loss, but you're also like, I you hate the idea of people thinking that they're pleasing God when they're not. But dude, it's like think about this. I'm sitting here, and I thought, like, for you, that's a beautiful I'm gonna, heart, man. I'm going to use you for example. I'm not saying, listen, because I actually, I'll be honest with you. I see, I see Duke standing right there with me when this day is all said and done. But I'm going to use him for an example. This brother has been sitting here fighting for 20 years. He's been given. He's got a heart after God. He's he's been he's been doing and doing for the community, doing for God. Like he has been doing kingdom work for 20 plus years. Beat down, broken, totally mishandled throughout this whole time. And so many brothers and sisters that don't even want to lift him back up after he has lifted them up. Now, he's not listen, he's not the one saying this. I'm saying this about him. So guess what? You're gonna listen. <laughs> but it's like I sit here and I see these things. And then I'm like, if I, if I feel like if at that moment of it, what if I wouldn't have showed up to rekindle your fire? That I mean, I know your fire was still burning; it was, it was there, but it needed a little, it needed a little fresh air. It needed right. a little, it needed a little fresh wood thrown on it. It needed somebody to come you in. You know why I was zoning out when we were at the bonfire? We went on this little party oh, yeah. bonfire. Oh, dude, do you awesome. want to know why I was zoning out? We got to do that more often too. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why I was zoning out. I noticed how Troy was so focused on keeping the fire lit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is what the spirit of God was doing for me all these years. Mm -hmm. I would, the, my fire would be dimming out, but then he'd give me another reason to get on mm -hmm. fire and another reason to get on fire and another reason to protect your fire. Let me tell you something, new believers. Yes. <sighs> protect your fire. Amen. Find people who are going to be willing to stoke your fire. Because I'm telling you right now, the people that will try to drown your fire are absolutely in the church. Mm. It'll yeah, be it'll be down. the pastors telling you to calm down. Mm. They'll say you don't have to read your word. You don't have to do so much. Just keep coming to don't church. Don't be so you zealous. Don't be so zealous. The scripture tells us to be full of zeal. Some people tell you that you don't have to, it's as long as God sees you trying. I'm telling you now that God wants it all. All of you it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, this idea that you know, when you find Jesus, Jesus just understands. Let me explain something to you about the intensity of what really happened on the cross. A father sent his sinless son amongst us. Divine activity. So the, the creator of the universe that created the very molecules throughout body, the atoms, the, you know, the, the food, the nutrients, everything that we have, it, he created it. He sent his son to save us, right? And, and I need you to understand, we have promoted John 3.16 in such the wrong way, okay? John 3.16, we made it a romantic scripture when really it's very, very strategic. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. Whoever so, 
like who who like oh he's literally he's literally saying only the people that believe will not perish but have everlasting life come on your faith is your lifeline to eternity it is your life it is your life your faith your hope your love and you can never underestimate the need for the enemy to find somehow some way to get you to disbelieve mm. even if he has to use the church to do it oh, dude. so I, oh i didn't tell you this i feel like i feel like the enemy this week has been trying to get me to doubt <laughs> no i mean like you're you don't know you, you yeah you get me to doubt like i mean like 100 percent with you like i i just this thought came over me earlier like matter of fact, right before we uh, had, I guess you could call it brunch or I don't know, dinner, yeah, dinner or something. Whatever, whatever the, yeah, whatever time frame we had it like three o'clock. So I really don't even know what you call that. But um, I felt like he was trying to get me to doubt how I've been doing things, how I've been going about things, how I've been approaching situations. Like I'm actually because I know, look, but you know how I am. Like I actually, it depends on who I'm speaking with at what time I'm speaking with them and how they approach me like i will approach every situation the way the spirit leads me i can get i can get really hyped i can get really zealous i can get really stern i can be that guy that's really gentle and loving and it's like i let the and like it's like i i honestly i'm not, I'm not gonna lie and it sounds arrogant when i say this but i know every step i take is led by the holy spirit like Every but, step, but, but, and it's you, crazy you, that I say that, and it feels so weird. But you know why? Like, but you know why people need to understand that that's possible, because you already eliminated the distractions in your life, right? So, so the idea of you walking with the Holy Spirit and having your steps ordered by the Lord, it is a far-fetched statement when you include all your distractions, right? But when you say, "God, you can have it all," I mean, let's look at the situation you're in, brother. You were going to take your own life. Yeah. So you already had nothing to live for. So right. it was easy for you to give God, like, God, take this broken nothing that doesn't work <laughs> and do something and with the it. The crazy part is, you know how he looked at it? The most precious thing in the world. Right. And that's what my point is, is that what he's saying is, like, you've, you've already, when you did that, when you said, hey, Lord, I've gotten to the point where I'm ready to take my own life. And it's like, well, that's a great testimony to save my life with destroyed yeah it was, I mean, so, I mean, it was in rubble i mean it was, so what you're doing is really saying god i don't have life without you amen come on and so then I he's just like that, that. he's like well i agree with you <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay. like hey, let me show you how to do this yeah. so what you're doing is letting him really father you yeah and so if you look at what christ says he says i only do that which the father does so christ that means that Talking Christ going to the club, probably not going to happen. Talking Christ going to, to you know, the strip joint, not going to happen. You know, like he, he's... Talking place. to having talking him to go and preaching on the streets till 1230 yeah. in the morning, that's going to happen. I'm just so, saying. So then what ends up happening, those that were, were in and out of spirituality start to look bad because of his consistency. Right. Then he makes oh, comments like, hey, why do you guys do this on the Sabbath, man? And he's just like, well, the Sabbath was made for... Uh, man, yeah, Sabbath was made for man, not man yeah, for the, the Sabbath. Sabbath. Like he's operating. Oh, then he threw it in their face about how David ate off the showbread because right. they, well, they were trying to be. I mean, they were trying to use be something spiritual. Again, yeah, versus like this idea of you know Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath because He is our God manifested in the flesh. So obviously, He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of everything. 
And it's like, that's a very difficult thing to talk about because it also, you have to look into the Jewish side of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there was Jewish things going on that we can't co quite comprehend fully. And this is why Brother Hezekiah, I love that man so much, is he talks about these things in such a way. And then it's like, okay, at the same time, what are we under now? Right. This is where we have to look at the cross. We have to look at grace. We have to understand the blood and actually what it's doing for us and not take it for granted. You know, taking it for granted, it, this is what's so interesting, is how many people take life for granted, and then they also take faith for granted. Mm, come on. You know, and it's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Go ahead. And, and, I was about to be facetious to you. Let's go ahead and read that Matthew 5. You want to read it all? <laughs> yeah. I bet. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. <clears throat> Hold up. Let me get a little Dr. Pepper in me. <laughs> By the way, I want to say to D1, you are killing it out there. Uh, D1 is, you know, is killing it because he's standing up against something that many in the uh, music world, and, and a lot of times what ends up happening is uh, white people uh, will try to say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to oppress black people, which is good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. But, but what happens is you end up giving pass to sin. So the hip-hop culture has completely destroyed the black community, uh, black more, just morality in the whole. And now you got blacks and whites into the hip-hop culture because people didn't want to seem racist, as if standing against evil is racist just because a certain group of people are choosing a certain way to just because just they make this sin hip. And now there's this guy, D1, who is coming against all of the predecessors of hip hop. He is attacking the entire culture saying, look what you guys have done to the community. Look what you guys have done to uh, like, how did we go from, you know, Martin Luther King to little Wayne? How did we go from, you know, we shall overcome to gangster rap. What did we choose to focus on? What do we allow media to do to us? <laughs> we made, we made people feel bad for standing up for God. Right. We did. We made people, I mean, and I'm not saying like, listen, there were some really bad white people in history. But let me tell you a little secret. There's some really bad black people in history too. Right. There's really bad Asian people. And once we get out of this mentality, this 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 racist mentality, because we can, how much do we joke around? A lot, yeah. A lot. And trust me, we're racist to everybody. <laughs> and not in a bad way when i say that that's a joke guys like we, we but we understand that our skin color our our past our our where we came from it does not define who we are today because today i can look at any man any woman and say i love you i don't care the skin color i don't care where you're from i don't care how you talk because i know what christ has told me to do like and this is and this is the hard part like no matter what is someone's doing if it's right it's right if it's wrong it's wrong white black asian i don't care you should be able to correct especially correct a brother and sister right but so many people have gotten so scared because they think they're going to get sued or they're going to get shunned or they're going to get let's be honest killed if they speak out against it because okay i'm white can i talk against rap you should be able to, but 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 you but you see what you said. Yeah, I should be able to. Let me but tell you a little secret. Sound like a racist if you do. But let me tell you a little secret. You know me. 
Right? Like, I'm going to speak against it. I'm going to speak against it. Especially, like I tell, I mean, the N-word, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care if you're black. I can't stand that word. I can't stand it because I know where it derived from. I know where it came from. I know it. And I get that you're, like, taking the word back. I get that. But let me tell you a little secret. That ain't how it works. <laughs> evil it, is still evil. Evil is still evil. That's literally calling evil good and good evil. Right. It doesn't matter. Because if it's okay, so let me put it like this: If it is good, then why can't I call you that? Right. Because I'm pretty sure if I walked up on some black dudes and I'm talking black, right? You know, from the hood. No offense, but I'm saying a crazy white dude for Jesus come up to you and say that. What's up? What's gonna be? Even if you said it in the friendly. And I'm not saying the girl. I'm saying the gov. Yeah. But the most friendliest way. I ain't even gonna put the girl on. I'm gonna say the gov. Right. I guarantee you, I ain't walking out of there. Right. So it ain't good. It can't be. It can't be good. You know you're influencing white culture just as much as white culture has influenced the black culture. Right. And nobody wants to admit it. It's evil. We know it's a derogatory term, just like calling me a cracker. What did the cracker term come from? It actually came from the white slave masters sitting on their horses cracking their whips. Yeah. It is yeah. racist. You, you want to know what's even worse about that? Ooh. You know what's even, even, even worse about that? You're going to get my blood pressure up tonight. They actually learned it from the black slave uh, traders that were bringing the slaves to them. Mm. That's what. That's where the word cracker came from. The, the This is how deep it goes. And this is why I said it's so evil because, mm. you know, the reason why it's so evil is because not only that, it's also one of those things where if you knew the real origin and it came back to your people being evil, mm-hmm. now look what the word is doing now. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now it's 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 like oh wow, it started all the way from like that's how the white man knew that the slaves were coming because the black slave masters oh, were, and so then the white people became the crackers. Oh, yeah, but it was really wow. the, the crackers were originally the black people. You know, they were bringing chocolate colored crackers. Oh, right, right, chocolate colored crackers. (laughs) You know what I mean? Chocolate colored crackers. And and this is what this is where it's like. So when you when when white people say now it's my time, it's like okay. Well, when black people say now it's our time, it's like now it's your time to deny Christ. Now it's your time to be the oppressor, Mm. be everything that we already know that. It's not on God and wrong in this world. So it's like no, we, we wrong. Were, so so this is where this is where you get revenge is mine, said the Lord. Come on. Because it's the only way to stop the hate loop. It's the only way. For let his justice come on something is the only way to stop the hate loop. Because hate is a loop. It is well, it's anything. Like imagine. I'm just saying, really truly imagine, guys. And I know we people have said this time and time again, but imagine if we all just started walking in love for one another. I'm talking genuine love, not this, not this thing where you have to be friends with everybody. You have to let them into your home. You know, not this type of love. I'm talking about genuine love. When you looked at somebody and you knew they were in need, you seen them struggling on the streets. They were getting beat up, or they were getting something along that lines, and you actually stood up for them. Yeah, you actually stood up for them and didn't stand against them or just mock them or record them. You actually seen the struggle and the pain. I don't care what color their skin is, where they were born, where they came from, but you just looked at them as another human, the human race. That's the only race that is here on earth. It's the human race. We are all created by God. 
Whether you believe in God or not, you were created by God. <laughs> Whether you believe in God or not. You're created by God. Yeah. The, the spirit inside of you is of our father. Just like Lucifer was of our father. And let me tell you a little secret. It's going to grieve him when he right. has to send any of us to hell. Anyone. You know, and, and this is where it gets interesting. Is that people like to, uh, people like to pretend that, you know, what they, that, that it doesn't matter to God or. You know, this does, with we, we, we love saying this matter. This doesn't matter. This brother doesn't matter. Steve Weber's in the house. Brother Steve Weber's in the house. You know, the house. But, but the truth is, is it does matter. You know, and I, and I know people don't want to hear that what matters and what doesn't matter, but it does matter. You know, the love that we show does matter, and I know we can get, we can feel ourselves. You know, uh, we We're can get in totally here. into it. You know, um, we are hiding the, in here. The one thing you can't do away with. Hey, man, how's it going? It's good to see you. Oh, this glad you brought a copy this of brother book. got fashion sense. This brother you know, got way better than I do. Oh, man. Steve Weber's in the building. Time out, time out. You know, and this brother's got voice for the radio. Oh, now, look at this guy. Look how big this guy's arms are. He's like, man, I got a voice for the radio. The lumberjack. <laughs> guy's a lumberjack. Dude, he's, he's a real deal. Like, Manly man has come. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, I can see him out there. Yeah. Just you know, chopping, chopping wood, dude. Yeah. That's what I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you could try these. I don't know if they're got that, but you said you got your own that's set up for you. You got your headphones set up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Mike Lee. All right, I, I, yeah, you know, you know how to do all that, right? Yeah, yeah I got a mic set up right here for you. It's, these headphones are a little shady. Well, yeah, <laughs> they, they work on one side. But yeah, but you, you're yeah, but uh, see if you can hear out of that one. Because if not, I'll trade you. Yeah, but but what it is the principles of God? It does your situation. Your situation does not change the principles of God. No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? And that's what people need to understand is that we keep trying to be like, oh yeah, well, one channel working. Yeah, it's yeah, only one side working. Like, well, yeah, it's like so. so yeah, you yeah, hear that for you? Awesome. So it's like this, and this is where it gets weird. Just missed me going you know, off too. It's like it's like uh, yeah, he just was screaming. <laughs> I'm glad you know, it's the perfect time for you to come in. Is after but, that. But we keep thinking that our situation uh, dictates how we respond to the word of God. Right. Really, it's the word of God that dictates our situation. Oh come on! I can't believe I just said that. I, I, I'm gonna have to rewind that what I just said. Yeah. To make it make sense, to like because that was good. Uh, but here's the problem. Um, first of all, I want to introduce everybody. Steve Weber is here with us. Yes. Uh, still his book because I can never remember the title properly. <laughs> you guys need to go to Amazon and check this book out. It's a guided climb to forgiveness and freedom. And let me tell you right here now, guys. You, if you're suffering with unforgiveness, this book That's right here. Word suffering. If this, this this book right here is truly an amazing guide to help you overcome that mountain of unforgiveness like truly brother steve you want to say hi to everybody or good evening oh okay good, good oh good. dude he's way back there yeah and, and still sounds like have to be like up on the mic yeah he's like good uh, evening like, are you considered voiceovers yes yeah. yes he's like, he's like yes i'll take it uh so okay, let me get that back so so this is a perfect him writing a book on forgiveness uh this is a perfect example of what i mean uh, before we go into Matthew 5, this is a perfect example of what I mean about your situation doesn't dictate the word of God. The, the word of God dictates how we maneuver through situations. And I know control is a big thing, right? 
I know control is a big thing. Like, uh, well, what if I'm doing the right thing? And here's what I use. Here's what I realize that people manipulate. I was doing the right thing. Then this bad thing happened, which meant I needed to stop doing the right thing to address this bad right. thing. That is the moment we're starting to, to manipulate but that's that goes to that word. It goes right back to calling good evil and evil good. We yeah. cannot twist things to make it suit our needs. We cannot twist scripture to make it where we feel comfortable and what we see as being right. It is only the word of God that dictates what the word of God says. Right. Period. And there's none of this like, oh, well, I think it says this, so I'm going to live my life this way. But this scripture right here actually speaks against that, so I'm just going to ignore it. Right. So no, that's what, how works. what do you got, uh, Steve, Mr. Steve? Uh, why, why do you think that we struggle to apply the word of God in real time? And it's easier to visit it in retrospect. Well, in retrospect, we don't have to make the decision. We've already made Ooh. the decision. See, that's just what it does to me, guys. That's so. I mean, no, that's right. It's easier to forgive. What is it? Easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for for permission. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's that's the truth, there, right there. That's that whole. That's that whole thing where it's like it's you want to ask for 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 permission, but you know you're going to get the answer you don't want. So it's like you know what? I'm just going to do this, and then I'll ask for forgiveness. But is that we can't do that with God, though? Well, it's it's inappropriate to do because you're now uh, vexing the spirit of God within. Oh, Paul says in Romans six that um, you know, hey, yeah, we experience God's grace when we sin, mm. but should we go on sinning so that we get more of God's grace? Oh. God forbid. Oh, That's God not forbid. who we are as a new creation. Come on. So that there's a change there, and uh, I mean, if we're not changing some, then you might want to check on uh, your spiritual relationship. Right? Yeah, because I mean, it's so easy to say I'm spiritual. I felt this way. I did this, and now I'm coming to God asking for forgiveness, and then that becomes the pattern. <laughs> you do you see what I mean? So I, I I can convince myself that I'm spiritual because. I keep coming to God as my last resort. See, that should be your first resort. God should be your first thought, your I, first go-to, your first it's everything. A, it's amazing to me how easily you forget that you were in your word for four years, just you and your word. Uh-huh. And, and because you have to remember, <laughs> that means you were disconnect, you were disconnected from the illusion. And so what most people are most people are more intimate with their illusion. Do you see what I mean? You're more intimate with the deception than you are with the truth. You know, because so much of our say that again. You're more intimate with the illusion than you are with the truth because so much of our world is built off of the illusion. So much of the world is more, you know, I mean, and so when you disconnected, you disconnected from the norm. Other people are trying to figure out how to use the word of God to maneuver through it. And still have still have like, some benefit from it. I can do this in the world. So, but so God, that goes right against it. So, Steve, I want to ask you this because I think that we interpret we interpret our ability to obey the word of God based off convenience and how much pain it's going to cost us. Mm-hmm. 
yes, I like to say that we dumb down the word of God so that we can keep it without too much trouble. Oh, what have I said? So that we can keep it without too much trouble. Oh. Just enough word to make us feel better, but not actually cause any. Dumb it down? Yeah. What have I told you? Right. I've even told Brother Steve this before, too. I feel like i got to dumb myself down. Everybody wants to put God in a box. And if anybody truly is walking for God, they're like, no, come here. Get in the box with us. we yeah, got to close yeah. the lid real quick. You need to get in the box with us. And that's what I think what you were just saying. It's like dumbing it down. That's what I feel like. Well, in dumbing it down, it's making it so I can accomplish it. I can feel like I'm obeying. Oh, Instead of just trying to get me right looking out of at the word to oh. conform me. Transform I'm you. conforming the word. Oh, trying to, to conform the word. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to contain it. <laughs> can feel it. Oh. This is the whole con oh, okay, I'm gonna go with it. So this is the whole concept of being conformed by the world, but needing to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, through the scriptures. Not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. It's all the same testament, the testament of our God. See, this is what you're gonna do to me here. You're gonna get me going, Steve. And you and Duke together. Listen, this is the problem with getting more brothers and sisters around me that know how to get me riled up. You guys are gonna do this to me, ain't you? See, look at these. They get these little grins on. I don't these radio guys. Are we still on the radio? Yeah, we are. You guys can't see it. They got these little grins <laughs> on their faces right now because they know they're like, <laughs> watch this. It's like that little doll, like uh, like uh, Woody off of a uh, Toy Story. They're like, hey, check this out. There's a snake in my boot. That's what they just did. I love you guys, though. I love you guys. So go ahead. People are like, what, what did he just say? <laughs> no idea. Just take it in and know you need to get in your no, word. But, but no. so you've got a, a really good point, but people don't understand what it is to be transformed. Mm, come on. And we are so used to doing life the way we're used to following everyone else when whatever box we're in that to be transformed means change oh come on to no longer be to no longer continue being conformed mm. to the world but be transformed come on and that means in everyday life driving down the road um in school and work in telling truth right so and that's where i mean that's where the rubber meets the road well so uh last night uh so crystal has a dog that i can't say. <laughs> you know and, and and it's because it's it's from her past you know her ex-husband's dog and they they you know they didn't want it they were going to put it in the pound and everyone knows it, you could just throw animals on crystal and she'll take them she just loves animals and i'm just like great you know yeah i got the one nature chick right <laughs> like, he's like oh my iguana's dying here give it to crystal she'll take she'll it take her. and they won't die it'll live <laughs> forever <laughs> it's like you know uh it's like oh the dog only has two days to live give it to crystal and then it lives two two or three more years you know um <laughs> so, so here's what happening is that uh this this dog uh, I, I just watched it just like just it poops on the floor, and that's what it's like. Oh. Uh, every time, everything the dog does, it just irritates me, right? <laughs> and and the, earlier that morning, you know, mm. uh, we had gotten to it, and I was just like, Hey, Lee, man, I'll tell you something, man. 
uh, I just lost it on Crystal. We, she lost it on me. She was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're gonna fight. You're gonna you're gonna talk to me like this, and then you're gonna go preach over the airway. Right way to go, dude. And I'm just like, good point. Like, oh, I get the lead, and I'm like, hey man, this just happened, bro. Uh, and he was just like, Duke, you gotta do better, man. He was like, and he and he, 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 he was like, I'm not worried about group, but you you gotta respond. You gotta do better. And I'm like, I gotta locate what it is so fast forward to that night when the dog does the thing i call lee i say okay we're at the point <laughs> like, we're here we're, we're here how do we do this different i'm like so because rage is my drug of choice and so i'm like okay how do we deal with this right and, and then i'm like he's just like all right now this is like you know i put it on speakerphone and chris was like what's going on i was like well the dog just did this and i'm about to go off but i decided to call lee instead <laughs> and, and, and and it's like like it's like the transparency, because I know your private life is the one place you get to be an idiot. You know what I mean? And so that's why we don't really like people knowing too much about us or getting too too close. You know what I mean? And so I was like, no, if we're going to get off this cycle, we got to expose it. Right. Gotta, you know, and so I, I go, uh, hey, man, you know, uh, like, how do we do this? And he's like, well, first of all, both of you guys need to be focused on being more Christ-like. And I'm like, I already know she's incapable of accountability. Ah, <laughs> ah, speaking to ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But 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 I'm basing it off the pattern. From so but what he means to say is is that she's she's true. gonna have to be trained a little hard. He's gonna pray well, over what a little I really, more. What I she's really, gonna pray a little more, and that's gonna true. be capable through the spirit. Of that's practice. true. But what I really meant to say was, no matter how she acts, I have to be accountable that's for it. myself. Right. Come on. That's what I really meant. To Revival say. starts at you know, home. I wasn't talking he, about the house. He led to. Then he goes. Revival starts at home, I and I was just like, woof. So the same way the revival for the nation has to start here in Virginia is the same way revival for Virginia has to start at home. Or the revival for your and Crystal's relationship has to start in you. Right. You. No, I get it. You. you. Right. Like this is this is the key thing. Like revival is one of those things that it's not just centralized around getting God's word to the world, the world no. but it has to start in a vocal point in that one person. Christ, let's right. let's focus like this. Christ changed the world. How did he do that? He brought revival to that nation at that time. Twelve dudes in Christ literally changed the very foundation. But, 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 but if you go, if you look at how he did it, he went into their world intimately and brought him into yes. their world intimately. So, so Steve, his uh, so this is what I want to ask you. <laughs> you know, when it comes to the word of God really penetrating a heart and taking root. What does that actually entail? And is it a free fall or like, or are you just elite, like, are you just letting go and letting God recreate you completely? That's a good question. I'm not sure I've got a good answer. Oh, you got the best answer. Come on. Let the Holy spirit flow. I know you do. Talk like we're talking, brother. Come not, on. Because I'm going to tell you one the reason why I'm asking this. The reason why I'm asking is because a lot of people want to know how much of themselves can they keep right. in this new life. So I want to say this to everybody out there. Brother Steve is literally surrounded by two extroverts, and he is introverted. All right. Listen, we're just going to put it out there. I'm going to put it out there right here now for everybody. So this is actually kind of this is a new experience for him. And um, so what I'm, I'm going to have to explain to him. Talk to like you're just you and I were talking, right? That's all this is. Don't don't even worry about all these people out here listening. I love you guys, but just stay away. Stay out of this. Um, brother Steve, 
So Brother Duke asked an awesome question. Now give him the amazing answer I know the Holy Spirit is giving. Come on. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is a key component to that mm -hmm. because our transformation, he's a, it is God who is at work in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. What is that work to complete us into the likeness of Christ? Oh, come on. So it's the Holy Spirit, when he puts his finger on something, the question is, do we respond? It's like, I'll give somebody some advice, but it's not a whole lot of advice. And I'm waiting to see if they take it or if they just blow me off. Mm. So many times we just blow off the spirit. But when we don't and listen and then say, okay, how do I change this? And Duke, I, I had to smile. Um, I had a German Shepherd I, I adopted, beautiful black German Shepherd. And at least once a week, it would take a dump on the living room floor. <laughs> you hear it in the voice. It's like, oh, once a week. Oh, so I renamed her Mercy. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Mercy was what I needed. Oh, come on. You might need to rename Lilu. I'm just saying. You might need to rename Lilu. See? I knew it. I knew it. See? That's what I'm talking about right there. That See? was good. You got it. Brother, come so, on. Come on, brother. That was right there. But that's our process of being transformed is being in the Word. Let the Spirit point out something that maybe... I'm not being uh, loving towards somebody. Mm. Um, I love the old adage that I can love you. I just don't have to like you. <laughs> you look at it. And <laughs> love so involves liking and accepting mm. that God loves us, even though a lot of our sin just really reeks him. Mm. But he loves us and likes us. You and I are gonna get at it. Yeah. But come on with it. Well, see, Brother Steve and I had this conversation. He knows where I stand on it. I think it's the concept that we love people, but we don't like what they do. Like we like certain aspects of them. Obviously, we like it, especially brothers and sisters who are in the word and discussing things, but I don't like sitting there watching my brothers and sisters struggle with sin. I think it's an issue of liking the personality, mm -hmm. right? Without liking the actions. okay yeah see and that's where i can get i can that right there that's what i can get behind and i think this is why process. we give some people passes with theirs it's like i like their personality though <laughs> even though you know you know even though they are you know they, they made music that amplifies this you know a, a lot of people say well man well why, why did elvis get a pass when he did so much crazy stuff it's like well even he brought a lot of joy to people that's why Elvis got a pass. And it's not like he had a pass from God or anything. We don't know that. But what we do know is that, that hey, you know. Well, how come your kids get a pass? That's what I was going to say. It's like, but then your kids, so watch this. The kids across the street. Kids. The, the kids across the street can do the exact same thing in your house uh, that your kids do. And you'll kick the kids across the street out. And your kids. But that's loud. You, know, well, you know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. it's like, it's like yeah. and this is, this is how I know that we are situational when it comes to obeying mm. them. We'll show our kids mercy. Someone else's kids, not so much. We'll show our, if our kids the bully, you know what I mean? Then it's like, 
oh, you don't understand what they're going through, you know, but if someone else's kid's a bully, it's like, your kid deserves this. Imagine if God gave us all justice. Come on. Short life. Right. And and here's the biggest lie I think Christians believe today is that Jesus made things easier for us. Oh, no, he didn't. When I'm like, you know, well, before Jesus. His yoke is easy. Yeah. But I'm like, he wants your thought life. Yeah. Every thought. Take every thought captive for a reason. He said if you call your brother or sister stupid, then that's murder. Well, anger. If you if you have any type of like ill thoughts towards you, yeah, call Call him him a a fool. fool. But it's like But you want to know why I believe it is murder? Because when you kill somebody's spirit, their identity it is speaking death. It causes them to maneuver a certain way. I remember when people used to call me stupid, how it would cause me things that God was trying to bless me. I would now hesitate because I think I was unworthy of it. Right. And then I had to maneuver around it. And then I would miss like five years of something that I could have got from that blessing that I walked away from because mm-hmm. I thought I was unworthy because people said I was stupid. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know what? That makes I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because you're right. You're right, because I've always thought about it just being angry with your brother. I never put it two and two together about it actually calling someone stupid. Is committing murder now you're when murdering you're, your destiny well, well you're murdering theirs especially if it takes root if that seed takes root in them because i mean for most of my life I, I tell you i was called all sorts of things stupid was definitely one of them and the more i sit there and think about it like there's things i could have and should have done in my life and could have been like i mean i was actually at the age of 25 was going to be a biomedical engineer but because of things that have occurred in my life with my PTSD and TBI and all that stuff and my anxiety, I started getting overwhelmed and I didn't have God. So like, I'm glad you put it that way because now you understand that, you know, now it's going to be even worse for you guys when we're hanging out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we, we, we say a lot of they, things just listen, joking. They say it jokingly, but at the same time, there's power in the tongue. We oh, know no, that right. life and death. And, and I'll, I'll chip in here. Come on. Break in. Come on. Yeah, there we go. Come on. I can break in here. <laughs> Told you we're gonna give Steve a baseball it's, bat. <laughs> so he's gonna pop us. Negative comments. So often, uh, I mean, personally, well, personally, I had a youth pastor that said I was great with guys, but didn't work so well with women. Mm. So I stuck with guys, and I was interviewing as a job uh, for a youth pastor position, and. They asked me, says, look, all your experiences with guys. Right. How do you get along with women? And I just spent the afternoon with a couple of the gals, one of them being his daughter. I didn't say anything. She just piped up and says, oh, he's great. And I thought, no, I'm not. Wow. Because my youth pastor told me I'm not good with women. Then I find out that he wasn't good with women. And so he was projecting onto me what he saw. But so often our criticism of someone else, well, it's in one part, we we pigeonhole them. We don't hear the whole story. We don't understand where they're coming from and what their history is. And so we pigeonhole them and say, okay, in this slot, Here's a solution. And a lot of people get frustrated because they try to do it, but it doesn't work. Do you remember our conversation from last night? 
what did I tell you we are? Mirrors. People, re we reflect what people are, that's in themselves. When you're a godly man or woman truly walking in the spirit, even other godly people that maybe walk in and out of the flesh and spirit, they see a reflection. You give them a reflection. So they assume that what they're actually saying to you is for you. But most of the time, it's actually for them if they would actually stop and listen. That's that miracle. I know you said you still, I know you still said, listen, he still got to think on it. <laughs> we had this conversation just last night. Yeah. So I can, it's a deeper so conversation that most people don't. It's a very difficult situation because that's me saying that I give a reflection of people. A lot of times when people get upset when what I'm saying and how I'm saying something, it's because it's a reflection inside of them. It's, it's causing a conviction inside of them that it's because they see what's going on inside. Well, I would say that they're, that's appropriate because the Spirit of God is putting his finger on something. Amen. And there's times uh, where I'll say to somebody, here's something I'm observing. If the Spirit's going to hit you with it, if he's going to bring it home and do something with it, he will. Amen. If he doesn't, just forget I said it. And that's, that's actually, for me, that's actually a pretty, that's a mature response. Because you're like, I can't do anything. Like, you can't change me. I can't change you. Duke can't change us. We can't change Duke. The only one that's going to do this transforming in us by the Spirit renewing of, of our mind is the Spirit of God. So, you know, one of the things that I think about is, um, you know, the, 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 the concept of whole, wholeness, mm. right? You know, first of all, we, 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 we talked all this stuff about Jesus being able to do anything and God is, he can do the impossible. And I think that we have to make a certain amount of peace that in order to be whole, there's a lot of, of what we thought that has to die. Because we say, oh, I thought wholeness looks like this. Well, how can you think, like try to imagine a color you've never seen before. You know, try to imagine a sound you've never heard before. You know, uh, you you can't try to tr imagine, remember something, try to taste something you've never tasted before. So if you've never seen, if you've only looked at life from a perspective of fragmentation, you can never, you can't even imagine what what wholeness looks like. And I think it's interesting that when God starts to touch an area that we think, you know. Uh, this is so ridiculous. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so, so here's what happened. So, I had this perfect image of what my first jump was going to look like. <laughs> jump out the plane, right? And it's just like, okay, got. It. So, I'm not in it. So I'm, I'm looking at. So I'm, I'm looking at videos and things like that of other people jumping in it. Right. And, there's, and there's also the music playing in the background. So. I'll never forget how they're all going down all nice and slow. And yeah. Simple. And I'll never forget how <laughs> I jumped when I first jumped. And I'm like, wait, there's no music? There's no music? <laughs> That's right. It's rock. <laughs> it's coming out faster and faster. And I was like, and I hate that you sit there yeah, every time I see him do this. This is the old, the old special for you. I got my toggles. 
Yeah, and so sorry, and that's then, gonna be childish, but no, we're a little, little baby. They, yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. They yeah. gave us the guys that are sitting here getting all this special training. They give them these nice little toggles yeah. so they can just zip around all see. nice and neat. But I gotta pull up on some risers. But here's the thing. Here's what gets me. Here's what gets me. At least you have risers. Right. Well, 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 it's trying out of place. Well, I didn't know it because sometimes, technically, I did watch a guy with a script roll. And but, I was like, they just dropped him. But, but here's the situation. But so, you got I'll never forget. I'll never Sorry. forget in training when they told us they were t- they were talking about the damage control, like like <laughs> you're in air and. Like if you if you clash with someone else, you just wrap it around and then you hold the other person, and it was all neat and it's you know. Nice. And, and, and I thought it sat like I was like these are easy instructions to follow. So yeah. was, but then when you actually see someone get wrapped around and they're punching each other and kicking, they're like, "It's your fault! No, it's your fault!" And they're fault. It's like you better figure this out. Why are you better pop your reserve? You're right, you better pop the reserve. You guys are fighting. Like, why would you do this to me? And you're talking about your, you know, like it's like the ground is coming. Well, you know, and, and it was so interesting how the, the amount of time that you're coming down and you're like, wait, I, I either have to obey mm-hmm. the, the instructions or get caught or, up in my feelings and do, you know, do something else. Well, you're going to get seriously hurt. And then I realized that if I didn't know how to fall properly, I, I had to, of performance. right. And, and I, I like, I had to, I remember thinking, do, don't come, Duke. Don't come up with any ideas right now. Because <laughs> I'm always coming up with an idea. Yeah, it's like, it's like not, this is not the time for Duke's idea. No. You've never jumped out of a plane. Like, and I'm just like, but what if this happens? Then do what they said. It's, it, it, even, if, even if it's just to pass the time before you die. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's like just, just you know, and, and I remember thinking, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? But there were instructions. Mm-hmm. With everything, and oh. when I hit the ground, I remember t- I'm literally reciting. I had the guys like, "Okay, angles, these." So boom, and then what is it? Angles, knees. So it's like the cat. It's the balls of your feet, the calves, the thighs, the, yeah. uh, the side, the pull-up muscle. And basically, typically, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Feet head. head. That's all you get. Feet head. But here's they broke it down strategically. Like this is what's gonna happen. Well, I know it's like when you're in the air coming down, you find out. I'm gonna follow these instructions, but seriously, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. They they didn't tell us how hard, like the land was gonna, how hard it's gonna hit. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, I made it. I'm wrapping up, and I'm watching guys just lay there because they. didn't make you back up because they were like knocked out yeah because it's like done that. yeah but, <laughs> but my point is my point is the rock pile the the reality Sorry. of experiencing something some things you just have to go through oh yeah like hold this how do you explain to it how do you explain to a child in the womb what life is going to be like Ooh, they would never come out <laughs> they would be like listen i'm going back talk to you guys later that was like the most truthful answer. <laughs> just like that, just no. You knew that's gonna be. Here. It's gonna be a faith thing. They're gonna just. Nah, it's gonna but Steve, so, out. nope. <laughs> I'm good. So this journey to wholeness. Do you think wholeness is possible on this planet? I think a lot of it depends on how you define wholeness. And uh, you know, back to your parachute concept. Um, when you get tangled with somebody else, you start fighting. Mm. 
how much is that like our local churches and believers <laughs> that See, everybody that comes should in, be working you together? This? Yeah, we're different, but we're bickering over uh, menial, menial stuff. Yeah. Foolish theology. Yeah. Foolish law of talking like, oh, man. What scripture is that? Come on. I know you got it on top of your head. Do yeah, not argue. Well, he said, let there be do, no division among Well, do not be arguing over, um, what scripture is that? Oh, uh, Paul's instructions. Right. So, right. So, so, so check this out. So here's the thing about that. Uh, Paul had an opportunity to push his beliefs. One five? Paul had an opportunity to push his beliefs. And one of the things that he did was uh, it was about eating foods dedicated to other gods. And he's going, well, there is no other God, so I can't eat the food. But the other disciples were like, dude, if you eat this, we're going to lose so much respect. So he chose to to not eat the food because he didn't want to create an argument in front of people uh, that had not yet believed. And I saw that as like, it's like very wise. And this is this what made me realize that often we neglect the power of wisdom and knowing when to speak you know and knowing okay i know that i don't believe that this is going to be offensive to god if i eat foods dedicated to other god but because it offends my brothers i'm not going to create this tension but we're going to have this conversation later that's wisdom you know that somebody like there when, when there's a need to be right more than a need to uh find the right time to explain something you end up becoming dismissive and you can actually destroy an opportunity. Well, it's where love over rules being right. That's where I, that's what I was, that, that's what I was trying to feel. I'm like, why, why is that? Cause I'm like the, the guys who are saying don't eat the meat. Like I know what they're thinking. This is like, you're, this is how you start to, coerce with the enemy and you you know you give them an inch they take a mile and then paul is going well it doesn't really matter but we'll talk about this later so i was about to, that's what i'm about to get to because obviously you guys know i eat clean that's what i do i don't put that on anybody else though. Right, right. i don't i don't I mean honestly everybody do what they want i do what i do but that is the concept that we do need to understand that you know god says certain things for certain reasons mm -hmm. he, he gives us these instructions so when we do land, <laughs> we're not breaking something. And I think that's the whole concept. Like, we shouldn't be arguing over it. And I think it's here, I'm making sure I found the right scripture. But um, it's this idea that we do argue over some foolish things. Because I know at the end of the day, we are saved by grace through faith alone. But I also know that our faith is dead without works. And it's because most people will stop at the grace through faith. That's all I need. I got grace. I got faith. I'm good. I'm done. Works, it's not part of it, but they're wrong. Why? Because they cherry pick that scripture saying, I like this one, but that one that says my faith is dead without works, I don't like that one. So I'm not keeping that one because he says my works is not what gets me into heaven. And they're correct. It's only our faith in Jesus Christ that gets us into heaven. But God, that's all I got to say. Our faith will produce good works. And that's that whole aspect of being transformed mm, that we are our works will now demonstrate being a new creation. And one of the one of the uh, petty things that people often get off on is smoking. Mm, come on. Oh, 
we're on a, you know, you really got to tell yeah, people when you do yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're, gonna, it's a, we're still on the. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah go ahead. The whole smoky thing. Come on. We're on the rate. We're on the. Another petty thing. You had to go to. Yeah. At the top of the hour, I have oh. to pay these legal IDs or else I get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and that happens more often than not, I think. Because we, we I used to be like, oh, well, you know, 10 seconds ahead, but then we have these good conversations. I'm like, I'll take my chances. Yeah. <laughs> we get into it. And it's like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. You were saying we're that, one of the petty things is smoking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. how people right. think that smoking is wrong and make a big deal out of it. Right. Well, and that's one of my things. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a smoker. You know this. You guys know this. I'm trying. I am doing my best to let the father get me through it to quit and i really hope and i'll tell anybody like i always do pray for me pray for strength pray for guidance pray for his will to be done if he to, for me to quit smoking i really want to quit smoking. i want to so bad but and it's know. like i just to me though i haven't felt the conviction i really haven't i don't because i don't i don't put that above god i don't i never i never i have before like for the longest time i would tell people straight up in a hurry yeah it's it's sinful for me because when i'd get angry i'd go for a cigarette i wouldn't go to prayer now, before if I'm angry, I will not pick up a cigarette. I will pray until the Father relieves me of that, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. You said I'm just poor. No, no, no. For me, it's it's like you know the the again, you know, I I don't like anything that you you have to that where people speak so passionately about uh, as if they know for a fact when they don't, and then it's like, mm-hmm. dude. Again, like you said, the pettiness of it, you know, uh, Steve, the, the pettiness of it, uh, because it's just like, hey, guys, you know, when you start bringing, sh- see, the thing is, when you start shaming people, kind of you can make people feel like it's God when it's not, but you're really just bringing shame. Right. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're finding people, you're finding a way to shame people because um, it would be, be, be a bunch of obese people telling people they shouldn't smoke. They're like, dude, if you don't shut up. and the problem with shame is when there's no hope of a help or solution see right that condemnation it's a it's judging it's condemnation but you know when the when when my dad brought up all my bad aspects he didn't give me any hope of changing and i gave up but when the spirit had his turn a couple years later after he got through doing that survey in my life opening up closets i didn't even know i had he says now wait till you see what we can do together Mm, come on right and that's i mean that's what he does and see guys this is why you need to get this man's book i'm just saying like this this book right here i got I'm horrible with names, brother. You guys well, one of the things that, that I'll that, remember the name one of these days after reading a it. Like, guided climb to, to forgiveness and oh. freedom. The, yeah, Crystal and I are going to read it together. Yes, uh, because one yes. of the things that we realized after talking last night <laughs> is, is that uh, we're still having conversations with our exes, <laughs> but just like 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 what we're not going to tolerate with each other, mm-hmm. and then putting it on like like you said that projection is like anything that even looks similar to. You know, yeah, to, like, to ah. something from the past. Like, no, I'm not putting up. It's like that's not even what I was gonna say. I don't care. And then, you know, tension's getting out. Or if someone was used to being blamed for everything, 
now it's hard for them to admit anything. Like we we both found ourselves doing the same things to each other, accusing each other of doing the same thing. And it's so funny. Uh, but I, I do know that this is one of the reasons why we're struggling with relationships is because I, I think that personally, I believe that we underestimate trauma. So what would you call this? Sorry, Steve. I think we uh, underestimate yeah. trauma. Uh, all that. that like a oh we do underestimate trauma i'm trying there's this part right here he says a guide's memories and healing show how to forgive others and the unforgivable this is exactly what i'm saying we underestimate trauma yeah and that's what well, yeah, he like, just he just like oh. just read that part and it's like dude it guides memories yeah that's crazy it guides memories and healing show how to forgive others and the unforgivable you that right there, guys. I listen, listen, listen folks. If you don't listen to anything else I say, <laughs> get this man's book. Get this book. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, listen, y'all might not have listened about going to the Beth Bethlehem Inn, which you still need to do and check it out at the FX show um dot com. What what's the website, Steve? Uh S B W E B B E R dot com. SteveWeber.com. All right. Mm. But no, on a serious note, guys, like you have to understand, like forgiveness is something that is very key to us getting into heaven. So if you take what? I'm saying it nicely. Like it's a huge I can, key. It's like, I can, I can, okay. I, I'm saying it nicely right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, you do have to understand that God's not going to forgive you if you do not forgive others. So this right here, if you even have an inkling in your mind or in your heart right now that you might be holding on to unforgiveness, this is the greatest tool that I would say that the Father has blessed and given a man outside of scriptures. Because I promise you, it will help you climb that mountain. It will guide you through it. And you need a good guide in some of these things. But a guide to get you to the point of reaching that reaching that uh what do you call it is it the peak or is uh the summit the summit i can't i'm not a mountain climber and this is most of this is the word applied to certain aspects in ways that people maybe hadn't seen before and that's and this is what even now i believe like that's a matter of fact i wrote you a review on amazon so and i made it very clear even if you're one of the non-believer non-believing listeners out there right now this is very helpful for you too. It'll help you maybe introduce you to Christ and introduce you to our God and maybe bring you to him. But if not, it can at least get you to a moment in your life that it, it sets you free from the past. It sets you free from holding those grudges and all that resentment that you carry in life that is holding you back from being the best you possible. Because a lot of times when we hold on to that unforgiveness, it's holding us back as well because you know, if you think about it, like if you're sitting on a rope bridge, this is, this is something, and you're and you're you're scared to cross that rope bridge. You're holding on to the beginning of that rope bridge, and you can't move forward until you let go. And this is what unforgiveness is: is you're holding on to that rope, like I can't let go, so I can't get across to the. You can see the destination just a hundred feet ahead of you, but you can't get there until you let go of what you're holding on to in the past yeah and that's what this will do this right here 
I thank you for allowing me the opportunity because he's listening, guys. If you're not much of a reader, he's also going to be doing it. What is it called? Audiobook. And listen, I got to, I got to, man, I got an awesome I don't know if you hear, I don't know if you hear this man's voice. It's very soothing, it's very awesome. I just had a friend who told me it's a second book in his life that he's read all the way through. Oh, dude, come on. Oh, wow. So it, I set it up as very easy stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Um, and it's a story of how do you go through forgiveness? And part of part of people's captivity is the uh, the common thoughts on forgiveness. Like you, you have to have an apology before you can forgive someone. Oof. Or the other crazy one is, um, well, let's just forget it and move on like it never happened these questions you mind if i go over these questions here on as we do this so guys he asked fact or myth a pop quiz so duke congratulations <laughs> seeing how you you know unfortunately have not read the book let's see what you got all right let's do it we're gonna give duke the pop quiz today forgiveness requires forgetting the offense true, true or false false Brother Steve, is he correct? Correct. We're going to do this as a game show. See how many points Duke gets and how many times gets his upside the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speed life. That is life. <laughs> Sometimes life hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll protect you, dude. I'm giving you the baseball bat. That Look at this. Once again, he's a lumberjack. He's going to be the one hacking away here. No. <laughs> Unforgiveness. That's the best twisted Whoa. answer I've ever heard. So unforgiveness affects one's relationship with others in addition to the offender. True or false there, dude? True. <laughs> Coincidentally, think about it. If, you know what? If you would have read the book, you and Crystal might be okay by now. <laughs> Like, let's put that knife in deep. Right <laughs> well, Sorry, that's just me. Not, with not to detract from yeah, Duke, but no. that's a key thing. When if you listen to people and a lot of their words and conversations are angry, more strong, they're probably dealing with holding in a lot of grudges against others. Mm. That's what I mean. But that's why I'm saying this journey to wholeness. That I don't see how you can hold on to your past life and move and actually really embrace the fullness because there's all there's 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 only you. So whoever you are out there listening, there's only you and and you're like whatever you're holding on, that's occupying space in you. Mm. And when you're reborn, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about your credit, right? Or your bank kids, like you get reborn, and all of a sudden, all your debts paid. You're like, I was reborn, and everything. Like, no, that's well, still, still can be. For you. <laughs> stuff still waiting. It can be right, but I'm just saying that really, mostly, it's yeah. let's get let, let's get down to a new you. Right. The opportunity for rebirth is, is a new you, and so I just don't see how you can walk in this new version of you, relearning language, relearning life, how to speak, right, and still hold on from stuff from the past. You can. I mean, like I say, like to me right now, that's what the father, you need to write a book about crossing the road bridge. I'm just saying. Good. I'm just saying that. I will do that. I'm just saying you can have it. It's from the father. So congratulations. I don't like to write books. <laughs> Inspiration. Hey, love inspires, right? This is me giving show and Steve some love. <laughs> road bridge. 
<laughs> so, question number three. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. And today I do the Lord's work. <laughs> True or false, man? You got two answers for that. <laughs> you got the flesh and the spirit answer. Let's see. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Okay, so realistically, yeah, it, it's it's definitely false. But but oh, but my man. flesh, but the flesh loves to just touch. I, I tell people this all the time. Beware when the flesh tries to interpret spiritual things uh, because it would always find a twisted way to do so. You know, what's up, everybody? WJLC Current FM. We got brother Steve Weber. We're listening to man Lee Ford here. Uh, you're listening to Duke and the gang. Uh, we don't have our internet um, preachers coming on board. I don't know if anyone's, it might be a little late for them. I know, I know today was a, a weird day, uh, but. Yeah, I'm surprised Joseph ain't If anybody wants to jump on, you know, you know, from the from the revival now group chat, you guys feel free to jump on. Uh, but what, 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 we're, so first of all, we're gonna read. Oh, we're finishing this. Oh, we're gonna. Well, we got all. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, but we got till ten. It's but only I want to make sure we read Matthew five because this this really ties into Matthew five. All really this does well. really, which is go for it. So we're going to finish up. Uh, we're in a guided climb to forgiveness and freedom by Brother Steve B. Weber. And right now, we I are, want to say doctor so bad. Dude, I'm telling you, he's a psychiatrist. He might not have the title, but this guy has a PhD in messing with my brain. He's and like, I love it. <laughs> like the conversations him and I have had, I'm like sitting there. He's like, yeah, let me just get in there with a little screwdriver right there. Wisdom, awesome. man. Wisdom. It is. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So right now, we've got this part in here. There are, uh, what's that? R1. Oh, I thought you said airborne. I'm like, yeah, airborne. Amen. <laughs> hey, um, so we're actually going over a part of his book right now. We are testing the Duke on some facts or myth, a pop quiz. Can you determine which statements are fact and which are myth? Right now we're on number four. Forgiveness requires the participation of the offended and the offender. Sure. Oh, false. Okay. Okay. Brother Steve, you're correct there, right? Yeah, that's fine. All right. So, oh, oh, but the flesh, they have to, they have to ask. No, no, they don't, guys. So, uh, congratulations. Number five. I should be a game show host. That's why I need to do this. We should do a game show host on the new thing, you know, on the thing coming up. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about that or not. Duke doesn't tell me things, guys. Uh, so if I yeah. say something I'm not supposed to, it's on him. No, no, we, we do have some, some really huge, huge <laughs> some, news. Yeah, huge news <laughs> is coming. Well, it, it, you just said it. <laughs> I didn't say it, say it, though. It wasn't on me. These are things you're supposed to tell me. But see, he enjoys this. This is how he likes to leave me in the dark because my light is sitting there shining. He's like, he's going he's gonna to say something. Oh, no, I'm not putting a bushel over this light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't. So, number five, when God forgives, he does not forget. Now, this may be a trick question. What do you got there? Uh, the scripture says he cast the forgetfulness and that, that he does forgive. But, however, I do believe there are consequences. No, no, no. Wait, let, me say, let me say it one more again for you, just in case. All right. When God forgives, he does not forget. Ah, true yeah. or false? No, that's false. He forgets. Ah. 
He does not bring it to remembrance. Don't worry. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I'm not going to sit here and let Duke go down the hole by himself. I actually got that wrong myself. You want to know what's funny about that? Is that because I, I, yeah. I, I was answering a different question, but yes, I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Because when I would say this sea of forgetfulness versus he doesn't bring it to remembrance, mm-hmm. you know, it's like this, this is going to go into that place where I'm not going to bring up. Now, this also reminds me what we're really being invited to, mm-hmm. to God likeness. It's the one thing that we, I, I tell people all the time, it's it's so funny how we communicate. Like, who do you think you are, God? You just, it's like, well, technically, technically, we're so, like, we, we were invited <laughs> yeah, to we, be like him. Little Jesus. And, and we get, and we, we get <laughs> so, because he's building a family. Yeah, we are. And I think it's so funny how we get, the closer we get to God, it's so funny. We have to ask permission from people. Can I be like him in this way? And then they go, no, that's too close. That's too much. It's too much. Well, he's going, don't listen to them. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, so when it comes to this, see, yeah, you see for, I'm not the only one that hears him this way. <laughs> I'm not the only one. But when, you know, uh, okay, hold on one second. Oh, this well, is, and, and let me interrupt here. Yeah, again. Oh, come on. Oh. You know, with families, you can forgive somebody, but then maybe a year or two later, they're trying to change, mm, right? And so you can bring up what they did as an example, but without holding them accountable. Come on, to say, there you go, there you go, doing it again. That's not forgiving, right? That's bringing up condemnation. But if you're saying, okay, is this what you're talking about that you want to change? Mm-hmm. And I think God does that a lot, uh, especially when we have. Uh, the sins of struggle and he'll bring them up and say okay what do you learn what do you see as the root to this issue yes and that's the reason why i said that you know it's like there's always a consequence but if there's a con if there's a sequence then there can't be forget like you can't say forget because there's a sequence that follows to it you know what i mean and i think this is where uh, we struggle with that. Like, oh, it's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. It's like, uh, where where does God not show consequence? You know what I mean? Like, where 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 like, where, where do you see that? Uh, I I do know that. Um, oh, we're about to go for a ride. Who's coming? This, this brother, uh, if he comes on, man, this is going to be intense. Uh, but yeah, he uh, can be part of the game show. Uh, this is this is powerful <laughs> because this this well, you you guys will see. But, All right. But the, the, the deal is that. I think it's interesting how we compartmentalize uh, because mm-hmm. if we say God, it's, it's like we want God to forget all of our stuff, but remember my enemy stuff. Ooh. Does that sound right, Steve? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they did this. You know, they did that. Unfortunately, the enemy often includes the wife. Kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like, like for example, uh, one of, I, I would tell everybody, you know, uh, I didn't want my ex-wife to get half of my wealth, so I started, you know, I'm just dishing out millions of dollars, you know, to churches and charities, and I'm thinking, like, certainly I'm not being petty because God's going to bless because I'm doing it for good causes. I gave out all this ridiculous amount of money, and then my, I go to my lawyer with my big aha, like, she's going to be shocked when she finds out I gave everything away, and then 
like, good news, your wife doesn't want anything. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean she doesn't want anything? And I, I, I had to explain to her that I, I explained to my lawyer that I gave all the money away, you know, trying to keep my ex-wife from getting half. And he was, even if she was to take half, doesn't it make more sense to at least keep half? Why would she? So he's like, go to all these different churches and ask the churches uh, that you would ask them for your money back. And why wouldn't the children like God's gonna bless you? And I was like, no, not no. I did something. The only reason I gave the money away was to keep her from getting half. Yeah. And so I, I learned a very Nothing. valuable lesson. A, if it lesson. was not done out of a I mean, pure heart, it wasn't done out of a pure heart. I was like, he doesn't owe me anything. All right, we got brother Clay Whirl with us. Clay hey. Whirl, what is going on, man? Hello, sir. We got Steve Weber with us and Clay Whirl. Uh, and of course, Lee Ford. And these are all the voices you're going to hear over the radio. Uh, and uh, I, Steve Weber uh, wrote this amazing book called A Guided Climb to Forgiveness and Freedom. Now, the reason why I wanted to have you on is because one of the, the, the we were talking about this journey to wholeness, and even if it's possible on this planet to reach this place called wholeness. Um, and I was like, I got to see if he can come on and just share his testimony. So if you can just share your testimony, man, I'd, I'd love for you to just so everybody can kind of see why I wanted you to come on. But that'd be great if you could just share your testimony if you didn't mind. All right. I can uh, I can hear you, but it's kind of like um, maybe you aren't linked in to me. Is it shiny? Did you ask me to share my testimony? Yes, sir. Okay, and uh, can you hear me okay? That's wonderful. Listen, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I mean, it's a blessing for sure. And I, I guess maybe to try to um, make my testimony, you know, kind of streamline it for you, you know, no, for no, your... No, no, we, we, this is a four-hour show. We're good. Okay, well, <laughs> then we'll kind of just roll it out, um, yeah, you it. know, at... And I mean, at any time, again, like you're uh, the uh, the uh, sound a little bit on your side, I can hear you, but it sounds, you know, in, in a distance. So at any time, if you want to stop me, just throw your hand up or something like that and let me know. Okay, you got it. But um, again, honored and I hope uh, to be with you. And, you know, it's always uh, a blessing to be able to share a testimony. I believe that hopefully uh, your viewer can find themselves in there somewhere. and prayerfully uh, maybe find themselves or or a loved one that has been to maybe some of the places I've been. But either way, as a young child, you know, I was raised raised up in a 12 by 60 uh, trailer and uh, I've, I picked up cans and bottles on the side of the road, uh, you know, a time or two with my dad for food. And, um, you know, I've worn some clothes out of trash dumpsters. And, uh, you know, at the age of nine, I was in the fields of North Carolina, cropping backer for school clothes and helping out the family a little bit. And then uh, going away on a Greyhound bus on the weekends to a restaurant in Raleigh, which is about 60 miles away as a young kid and staying with the uh, owner of a restaurant there and, and working in the kitchen on the weekend. So I say all that to say, I mean, like I grew up and I understood out of the gate that uh, work was the way to go. I didn't really understand that I was lower income or, you know, kind of poor in some respects. But then again, we kind of moved into the lower income, maybe even lower middle class there at one point, maybe for a couple of years. But um, 
you know, as a kid, I felt like a little bit. My dad <clears throat> kind of lived his life through me a little bit in that he pushed me really, really hard in sports. So, I, you know, I, I appreciate that in hindsight. Uh, my dad's a, a smaller statue uh, fellow, probably 5'5", five, five, maybe 135, 40 pounds. I'm a little bigger man. Uh, but either way, ended up with, you know, MVP on football, MVP on baseball, pitcher and first base and, you know, middle linebacker and uh, center and, uh, you know, martial arts placed second in the state. And, uh, you know, so I was athletic and, and very driven, had a lot of grit, and I knew how to work. Well, when I was 17, a teacher in high school, I told her I didn't want to be poor. And, uh, you know, how could I, how could I be rich? She said, read how to win friends and influence people. So I did. So at 19, I uh, jumped into real estate sales, no college education, you know, no real uh, famous last name or anything else. And uh, I uh, went through a course called Sweat Hogs. And uh, the uh, Century 21 I was at, I was the youngest agent in the history of Century 21, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, to ever sell. So uh Inside of a year, I ended up being featured in the Century Gold out of California as one of the top agents, and, and they couldn't figure out how I was doing it. And what I did was I cold called. And I would cold call, uh, you know, 50 to two, 300 times a day. With Miss Smith, I've got a couple by the name of the Joneses with two beautiful kids that we wrote through your neighborhood, didn't see a home for sale. Would you think about it, even considered selling yours? So, Maybe at 19, 20 years old, I bought three houses, had a Mercedes, BMW, cocaine, coming to the pitcher on the weekends and drinking liquor, you know, and um, I was going to all the bars with the real estate agents at the age of 19, you know, 20, 21, and, and maybe I did it for, for just to fit in, you know. I was kind of aware that I already kind of drank more than other people you know, already. And, uh, I grew up in a household where my dad drank every day. Uh, you know, my mom on the weekends and when you put alcohol in the equation, those two would fight like cats and dogs. You know, my parents busted up at 15 and when they busted up, my brother and I, my brother went with one parent, I went with the other. And that kind of was my demise as far as grades went to from A's and B's to D's and skipping school and got in trouble with the law and that kind of thing. So anyway, um, you know, fast forward to 19, I jump into real estate, kind of redeem myself a little bit. And uh, I get out of that and, and uh, I got a guy in manufactured housing, kept showing me pay stubs of 10, 15, 20, 30 grand a month. And uh, I said, well, OK, I'll jump in. So I jumped into manufactured housing with Oakwood. And uh, by the time I was 25, I was promoted as manager. I was the youngest manager ever promoted in the 68 year old company's history. And at the time it was a fortune 100 company on wall street. Well, I took a store that was ranked 374th out of 378. It was fourth from the bottom in the United States and it never made a profitable dollar in eight years of existence. And in the first 18 months, we finished number two in the nation out of 378 and I won manager of the year. So, you know, I kind of went from, uh, working at the cable company at 18 years old from the fields before that to now at the age of 25, 26 years old, strong six digits. And, and, and now I had more, more ego and, and, uh, vanity than, than God allows. I mean, it was just a nasty combination of arrogance and, uh, self, 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 you know, 
Mm. I was extremely, um, I, I, I don't consider myself the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know, people, my IQ is, is decent and, and I'm, I'm fairly charismatic, but I give all the, uh, I give all the credit to the ability to listen, to listen to other people that are wise, that are, that are beyond where I'm at in life and apply that wisdom. And that's what I did in business. Uh, I am a outside the box thinker. So I brought in and I integrated uh, systems that were used in the car business and other industries. I brought that into housing. So I kind of did some stuff for the first time in, in that respects. So that kind of launched me into being a corporate trainer and uh, a district manager, regional manager, kind of like a, uh, a troubleshooter. You know what I mean? Like they would call me and they were having trouble with a dealership. Could have been at the beach, could have been down in Florida, could have been tech, where, wherever they would bring me in, kind of zoom me in there. And, uh, you know, Clay, what do you think we ought to do? And uh, I ended up being in the big boardrooms with the, you know, the leadership of the company. And they, they would call me on speakerphone at their corporate meetings, you know, there in the big, big high rise fortune 100 company. And, the C, uh, the uh, uh, president of retail, uh, Stidham, would would be on speakerphone, and I could tell I was on speakerphone. It was about that time of the month, anyway. He called me Biggin because I wasn't that big compared to him. He's like six three, big old Texan. Biggin, you know, you got a minute, son. You got a minute to tell us something, Biggin. I said, Yeah, coach. You know I will. But who's listening? And everybody started laughing in the background. They called me because I was a person that could kind of see maybe in real time, what things that maybe people in high towers and high places think, thinks that are good ideas, how they're not, uh, well, how they're not, you know, and maybe some things we could do to tweak and tune it on a national level. So, you know, I, I had a lot of ability and a lot of skill, uh, but I also, I also was very uh, self reliant, you know, it, it was that arrogance of um, independence. And when you're a one percenter and you, and you come from nothing, uh, I didn't have the understanding of money. I didn't have the understanding of balance in any way, shape or form. And I was an unsaved man who was primarily an atheist. Um, I was shot in the head September 2nd, 2001. Six weeks before that, I had my first drinking binge and we had just bought another house. I had just bought another dealership and I had my first drinking binge, which meant I, I had drank all day, been snorting coke. I was standing some steps in the new house that we bought and I figured I'd do it myself. Really, it just gave me something to do. Uh, to keep drinking liquor and snorting coke, you know what I mean? Playing around, kind of my own thing, doing my own thing there. Keep the wife away, you know, I'm I'm taking care of business. Well, that song, There's Nothing Like a Good Beer Buzz Early in the Morning, uh, I, I don't remember who sung that, but that Cheryl Crow or whatever her name was, that song was stuck, stuck in my head, and I always heard, you know, uh, 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 get the hair of, of the dog that bit you or something like that, some saying like that. I knew what it meant. I mean, it meant to start drinking in the morning and that feeling would go away. You know, that nausea would go away. So 
I did. And uh, that was my first drinking binge. So my first drinking binge happened about six weeks prior, somewhere around there, before I was shot in the head. Well, I was so I was so anti-religious and, and Christianity. When I had this drinking binge, it, it, it put the fear of God in me in that I saw I'd lost control of myself, which I was a man that was built on a lot of grit and a lot of discipline. And I did not tolerate excuses. I did not tolerate complaining. I did not, I, I just, I have to measure things in a corporate sense. I was a big measurement guy, uh, but I was also to inspect what you expect. And I led by example. I led through inspiration, not fear, uh, a lot of motivation. And here was the same guy now, Here, here's the same guy who can tell others what to do and can and can train on a corporate level and and run uh seven ten million dollar businesses with 15 and 20 and 30 employees from columbia south carolina austin texas and build stores and do all this stuff here's this guy uh who all of a sudden i mean man it was just like i've lost control you know i mean by this time i'd already had Man, I mean, I, I'd already had at least 100, 150 uh, weekends and, and starting on Thursday or Friday, snorting Coke, drinking liquor, and I mean, going hard all night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'd roll for two or three days. Then I'd sleep all day on Sunday, be back in the office on Monday. So I've, I've been doing that for years, but all of a sudden I started drinking and I couldn't quit drinking uh, or I knew I would be sick. So. I went to this, uh, I called this pastor, I called this preacher man. My dad come to the house, he was crying. I was laying in the bed. I was in this drinking binge in this situation I'd never been in. I was hiding the liquor, you know, my, my blazer jackets in the closet and he come in and he, he was crying at the end of the bed. And, you know, he drank every freaking day. I mean, I got to see him drunk about every daggone day of my life which he didn't ever consider drunk. He just considered whatever. I, I, I don't know. Um, but he said, Jesus was the only answer. So this was at the age of 30 years old. And uh, he said, Jesus is the only answer for you, Clay. You can't drink. Jesus is the only answer. So I said, well, that's fine. Call the pastor. I'll, 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 I'll meet him at the church uh, right now. You know, so I drove to this church on a Saturday. I said this prayer of salvation drunk. Uh, I refuse to be public about it or acknowledge it. And there's a reason why I'm sharing this part of it, because this is the power part. I refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior publicly. And I just, you know, I just did it out of fear. I didn't do it out of really knowing anything about who he was, who he is, uh, or anything else. So either way, I say this prayer, nothing changed. Uh, fast forward the tape by uh, I guess, let's see, I had my first drinking binge. Then I called, I, I went right back and kept drinking. So I went to a 30 day inpatient. I got out of the 30 day inpatient. I knew I had broke the cycle. I had my heart shafter and marks delivered to me, had my car brought around the front of this inpatient, uh, Walter B. Jones here in Greenville, North Carolina. And I actually consulted the doctors in this boardroom and they're like, Mr. World, what are you doing? 
you know, because here I am all dressed up. Everybody else is in their blue jeans and just walking out, whatever. I'm sitting down with the board and I'm telling him, telling them how I had this thing. You know what I mean? I appreciate their help. Thank you for helping me. You know, I'm healed. Well, I go back home. I maybe stay sober a couple of weeks, something like that. I end up going to the golf course and uh, just get the idea. Well, let's just have a couple. Well, a couple to mean, yeah, you know, to me, man, yeah, probably about right. six shots of liquor and uh, beer. And uh, so I'm on the way home and people are causing the traffic back up. I roll my window down. I said, get the F out of the road, you GD. And I'm just all kinds of foul language and drunk. They throw asphalt through the windows of my car. I go back home. I get another vehicle with my nine millimeter looking for them uh, with the intent of killing them. And uh, long story short, I end up shot in the head myself with a nine millimeter. So that's September 2nd, 2001. I go to heaven. I go and the picture's there in my, uh, my bedroom. Everybody's asleep right now, but uh, I would walk in there and show it to you. Let's see. I might go in there and show it to you anyway. How about that? <laughs> just, just for your viewers. Um, yeah, my wife, she won't mind. She's she's a, she's a blessing. Look, without her, none, none of all of it could even be done. Mm. Hold on. Hey, honey. Cover your eyes. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them uh, heaven. <laughs> so that's what I saw in heaven, which that's the line of Judah in front of me. And there's people uh, to my left and to my right. Thank you, baby. <laughs> people to my left and to my my right, uh, two and three deep with beautiful smiles on their face. Come on, Rook. Beautiful smiles on their face. And uh, I knew because I'd done psychedelics before over the years in, in my partying, I mean, I, I, I knew the difference between a trip and something that was very, very different and real. You know, I knew where I was at was real. So either way, I mean, I ended up seeing a lot of just people, I, I guess, in some part of heaven there and animals. I mean, like two horses, two zebra, two giraffe. Uh, and this man walks up from behind me and puts his arm on my shoulder. And I look up to him and me and him are sitting there talking. And but our mouths aren't moving. And and the only way I could ever describe it to people is it's almost like you're talking with emotions. You're not really talking so much with words. I mean, it was the most beautiful thing. Well, I shoot above my body and I can see myself standing there with this guy and I can see the whole thing. And then I'm back in my body there talking to the guy and this big lion walks up from my left hand side, maybe about five foot in front of me, stops, turns his head and looks at me for about three seconds, four seconds. He turns his head back and walks off. I come out of it and, and I'm seeing thousands of angels, but they're like angels and then little orbs and beads of beautiful light. And my head's all taped up and I'm still in the hospital and I'm saying, mama, mama. And I didn't know if she was there or not. And I do hear her voice is the first thing that I said coming out of this, all these surgeries and coma. I said, mama, do you see him? And I hear her voice. She said, she said, see what? And I said, see all the angels, mama, they're everywhere. Thousands of angels, they're everywhere. And she said, Clay, I don't, I don't see any angels. Well, I didn't know what I was looking at at the time. I didn't know anything about the line of Judah. I sure didn't know anything about heaven and, and definitely didn't know anything about orbs being angels. So anyway, I mean, it was, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, 
but instead of turning to the Lord at that point, I turned to the bottle. Um, I turned heavy to the bottle through the operations. I was having an operation. Uh, I had several about every 30 days is what they would schedule it to put in titanium. They had to redo the socket back here because they put in twice the size orb they're supposed to. So they had to pull out the orb and redo the whole surgery and titanium here, there. Well, in the middle of all this uh, pain pills and liquor, I decided to drive my truck. I drive my truck down the road and uh, bam, I mean, I hit uh, an embankment that's like 10, 12 foot deep head on into a concrete like barrier, you know, to put concrete on the side of these deep ditches. Mm -hmm. I hit that thing running like 65 with no seat belt. So then I broke nine ribs, uh, broke my, my leg again and ended up with two rods in it. So I ended up with two rods in my leg, nine broke ribs this time cracked elbow taped up head because i but because of being shot so all that inside of four months long story short i lost the houses the cars the boats the harleys the rolex the cuban cigars my marriage my business i lost it all and i mean systematically over 12 years I mean, I, I was homeless. I mean, I would sleep with friends or family until they just get tired of having me. Um, and and inevitably what would happen is I would I'd go into these drinking binges there for a while. I would drive the vehicles to these hospitals and detox units. Uh, sometimes I'd have to call the rescue squad and it got so frequent at everybody's houses. They'd make me meet the rescue squads down the street and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was in halfway houses. Uh, cheap hotels, you know, 700 bucks a whole month. You know, I'd always make sure I get a hotel where I could just walk across the street to the liquor store or wherever. And I mean, I, I just went from a real uh, outgoing guy to uh, very, very depressed, very, very depressed. I mean, after September 2nd, 2001, that year that I was back at my house, I went to the mailbox twice. I mean, I went to the mailbox twice to check the mail. I mean, I, I was having the taxi cabs that I knew I was having them deliver my liquor. You know, somebody else occasionally would drive me to get re-upped on my on, on my pain pills. You know, I had the doctors. I knew how to, I'd figured out how to manipulate them. And then I figured out I could get the same high off of, I mean, if I get, you know, take enough narcotics, I was on 120 to 150 milligrams a day, whether it be um, Opana, um, uh, fentanyl patches which i chew the patches and od'd several times on chew, chewing the patches getting a narc shot you know hit getting hit with the narc shots and you know then the blue boys i doctor shop moved down to florida you know living on my brother's back steps uh doctor shopping down there when that was big so i was on them blue boys the roxies those 30 milligram straight snorting them so i mean i've shot a little heroin uh, I've, I've I've smoked a pile of crack. I've snorted a pillowcase. Literally, I've, I've at least a quarter of a million in powder cocaine. I've, I've snorted thousands of pills. I mean, thousands, not hundreds, but definitely thousands. And, uh, you know, I've just been down that road. I mean, I've seen what depression looks like so, in that uh, process. One second, because I, I want to... Right, so I just want to remind everybody because I know this was a wild ride. Oh man, this is after heaven, right? Yeah, this is after heaven. So, Steve, uh, what do you, what you know, 
because when a person is in this place, when a person has experienced this type of trauma, you know, especially, especially usually homelessness is the, the, the nail in the coffin. Uh, homelessness, you like, you know, because now you're ostracized by society. Um, hearing this, you know, where, 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 how do you forgive yourself when you know that you're the problem? You know, when you're hearing all of this trauma, because that, that's one of the most impressive things about you, Clay, is like, I'm going to be real with you. Most people don't come out of this because the ability to forgive yourself is tripwire. I know for me right now, I'm I'm just thinking like, that's the God story. Oh, it's like, that's all. That's all I'm sitting here thinking about. Like, that's all I can focus. I'm like, I'm waiting for that moment. Oh, you want to hear the moment? I'm waiting okay. for that well, moment. Keep going. Keep going. Well, 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 yeah, he was like, question, tell but, us when you meet guy. Like, but, like, keep going. Oh, it's good. But <laughs> he said it's close. I yeah, I was gonna say you gonna let Steve uh, answer your question. Yeah, you were going. Yeah, the forgiving yourself part. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what you're talking about, like um, maybe to kind of cap it off. So I'll, I'll, I'll cap off that that level and now let's move to the next one. Over 12 years, there was about 32 or 33 detox units. But I, but I say in my Facebook or on my website, it's 25 because it's a round number. So 25 detox units, uh, three to seven days. 20 plus hospitals and what that means is i would go to the hospital put my liquor bottle outside the front of the er hide it in bushes and i would drink the liquor until i knew they were going to strap me down or either start hitting me with uh the uh, thorazine uh or or uh, whatever the other mess was they shoot me with and then they'd always pop at least two ivs in me i have had a total of four two banana bags and two uh, saline or, or, or whatever there in water. So I, I go in extremely messed up, you know, um, and then we four inpatient programs, uh, four inpatient programs, three psych wards, because I tried to kill myself three times. One night I took 58 pills, cut a garden hose and duct taped it to the tailpipe of the utility vehicle, then duct taped it on the inside of the window and I still didn't die. I mean, uh, so all this went on well um my my brother and i kind of ran together he died a couple of three about three years ago of an overdose but uh, he was a marine but anyway my brother and i would always kind of run together we'd find each other we ended up in columbia south carolina and he was on facebook i'd never been on facebook this is about 13 years ago probably and he said, there's Felicia Sloan or Felicia, you know, your high school friend, Felicia. You want me to tell her, hey? I said, yeah, man, sure. Tell her, hey, you know, tell her, I said, hey. Well, we were high school sweethearts. We kissed like three times in high school and I broke up with her, told her she'd be the kind of girl I'd marry because she was a good girl, a church going girl. But now on the first day, the first day of orientation of that high school, that girl, Felicia, comes up to me and taps me on my shoulder and she points at me. She says, you're going to serve God one day in a mighty way. Come on. Well, I was an atheist. I was an atheist. Listen to me now. I, I was an atheist and started cussing her out. And she said this. She said, me and my friends were standing at the other end of the hallway. Now, mind you, there's at least 100, 150 people in between me and her. I'm at one in the hallway. She's at the other end of the hallway of a big, big school. She said there was a light shining on top of your head from the ceiling. Come on. 
and you're going to serve the Lord one day in a mighty way. Well, that was in 1987. So now let's fast forward the tape. 12 years of basically homelessness. We just communicated with Felicia, same girl, by Facebook, and ends up, her and her husband of 20 years, uh, 20 plus years, uh, ended up breaking up, busting up, and she wanted to come see me. I was in Columbia, South Carolina. She was in Clayton, North Carolina. She drove up to Columbia. I was staying in the hotel, and I was too messed up. I don't even remember. I, I remember maybe five seconds of her being there, and basically, she told me I was just passing out and gone, so she drove back. Well, we talked back and forth through the phone. I don't think she really understood that I was an alcoholic and an addict to the degree I was. I ended up going to her apartment that she just got, and um Part my little truck, part this this old truck that me and my brother had scavenged up, and that truck never moved from that spot. I mean, her and I got along like peas in a pod, even though I was an alcoholic and you know get pills as often as many times as I could. She knew I had a problem, but she also in tenth grade she had made her mind up in tenth grade she wanted to marry me, and I had no idea. I had no idea that that's how she felt about me until we cleaned out her mama's house, which her mom is with us now. We cleaned out her mom's house. We found all of her notebooks from 10th grade with Lisa Lush Clay with hearts and all this other stuff. She, she, she wanted me to be her husband in 10th grade. So we dated kiss three or four times. I told her she'd be the kind of girl I'd marry and uh, never talked to her again until maybe 13 years ago. Well, we conceive a child she could not conceive at all with her first husband. Both of them were healthy. The next thing you know, we've conceived a child. Uh, we get married and uh, we have a child. Well, I'm still an alcoholic, still pilling and everything else. Uh, our daughter was born with a, a, a duplicated tip of a gene, which is an anomaly only found in like five of the people in the world. So they put her on the mild autism spectrum. There, we had to have a heart operation for her, ears operated on to open them up, uh, tonsils taken out, all kinds of things that were kind of uh, on oxygen for about six months. She had to have a full body harness because her hips hadn't developed. In other words, my wife was having to deal with that plus an alcoholic and an addict. And, um, I come home, I, long story short, she she has me locked up, calls the police because I'm tore up from the floor up. She has me locked up on Martin Luther King uh, Friday for being drunk, disorderly, you know, felt threatened by my presence in the house. Actually, she had made the plan to have me arrested. The church folks were coming over to help her move out. She was going to move back in with her mom and uh, just have to tell me, you know, goodbye you know, or get my stuff straight. At this time, I had already gone to like two or three detox units over that two years that we had first met at the local little hospital. I'd go in there for seven, eight, nine days and get back out and start all over again. Well, um, she packs her stuff. I come home from jail I lay on a mattress. She left me a mattress with a rose on it and a letter with all my beer and liquor bottles and dope bags she found cleaning out the uh, apartment and um, left me a bicycle, took my truck because uh, it was in both of her names. So she left me a bicycle, some paper plates, 
some canned food and a mattress. And I laid on that mattress about two or three months, vomiting, drunk. I, I, I thought for the first time in my life I was going to lose my mind because I couldn't sleep but about 30, 45 minutes a day. I just stayed, I stayed drunk, but I could not pass out. Well, I decided to go back. I said, well, let's don't give up on this thing, this Jesus thing, because I had come to a place in my life where I knew that I knew that I knew I was about to lose my mind. Um, but I also wanted to exhaust the idea of people had told me over the years that Jesus could save me and that he could pull me out of this type of, uh, I mean, when I say I was an addict and an alcoholic, quite frankly, the reason why people receive my counseling and my programs that I built is because they've read my biography. They all know that they were never as bad as I was. So if what I do work for me, then the way they see it is it has to work for them. I mean, my family had given up on me years before. My friends had given up on me, except for one, a guy named Tony Jimenez. Uh, but, you know, I had given up on me. I had given up on me a long time so ago. Was Tony, and, to John Jimenez? was Tony related to John Jimenez? Sir? Was Tony related to John Jimenez? Uh, Tony Jimenez is related to Shannon Jimenez. She's a doctor here in Goldsboro. And then they moved. Uh, now they're in Texas. But he's I actually put him in the book uh, facing down my giants because he was the living example of Jesus to me. I mean, while I was on, uh, going through all this stuff, Tony knew me before that 12 year cycle. He saw me the successful businessman. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, other parts of it is when I got shot in the head, my brother took the business over. He ran it into the ground and bezeled $80,000. And now my name was on the newspapers and on TV. And it was called the Greenville Home Outlet Scandal. Clay World has kept $80,000 and it had all these people's pick. So not only was it shot in the head, but now the whole community that I was living in actually saw me on TV and the radio. And man, I mean, they thought I was a thief and some kind of villain. And then the whole time, I never left my house. Mm. My brother had run the business in the ground. And uh, thank God I did take out a bond on, on the business before we opened it. So the bond covered all the people's money. But they called it the Granville Home Outlet Scandal. This was 20-some years ago because, I, because it was my business they said my name on the news and the whole time it's my brother running. But anyway, that's to kind of give you an idea. Uh, when I say I drove head first down into depression, my whole identity was wrapped into my business success and that, and that person I become. But now everybody thought I was a thief. People thought I had run this business in the ground and, and the ones I, I was at home, uh, and in addition to that, I'd lost everything, you know. So anyway, because um, I, I, I want to talk to Steve real quick. I want to ask Steve a question about uh, when you're on this, like when you're trying to, when we talk about forgiveness and you have somebody that you're trying to help who's in that 
this situation, how do you how do you help someone who is dealing with what he was dealing with? And I and I because I know that he finds Jesus, but how do you like when it comes to family, we're supposed to be the ones that don't give up on you no matter what. And I know that's a romantic idea, but is there a point when you say enough is enough? I can't take this anymore. And you you let them go on the streets? Like, because I'm like, man, yo, like that's a big word, family. And I like I I understand their pain because I'm here to, from his perspective. He's saying, hey, I did this so much. They got tired of me and they let me go. And I'm like, okay, got it. But is there a cutoff point? And, and, and you know, can do, do you forgive? I know that I'm not talking about holding stuff against people, but is there a way to say, I forgive you for your offenses, but you have to leave? No, you got to get ready for this one. <laughs> He's like, hold up, let me get comfy here. I think if we go back to the um, biblical story that Jesus told of the prodigal son mm. and um, the father let his son go, he went, lost everything, um, came back figuring, look, just hire me as a servant, at least you'll feed me. And his father restored everything. I think the issue with forgiveness with um, in understanding forgiveness with God is that he's not necessarily looking at all our wrongs that we've done. A, his love covers all of that. And he's saying, come home. He's more interested in coming home. So you think so, it's us that's more well, about remembering the stuff. And I think that's where it's like the idea is like 70 times seven, right? Right. Now, do you take that literal or figuratively? Because we're supposed to forgive our brothers and sisters 70 times seven. Now, if you do the math, that's only 490 times. <laughs> so over 12 years, I can only imagine he busted that number out the window. I'm just saying. I, mean, I love you, but I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll be, I'm that type that'd be looking at you like, listen, I love you. But what you're doing is highly detrimental, not only to yourself, but to me. So you're going to have to figure this out. And that also comes down to that idea of forgiving and not forgetting. But looking at somebody and saying, look, what the best is for you is to actually get the help that you need. And the help that you need, and that's what I'm waiting for, is I'm waiting for that aha moment. <laughs> I'm still waiting for he it. Dude, you're because good. I know. Listen, you're really good. Listen, yes. Go yeah. Oh, I know what it's going to be. He wants his aha moment. I he know what it's going to be. And then God said, this is the last time. <laughs> This is what God did. He said, this is the last time. I know it is. But that's what I'm Please do not be deceived by the calmness. This, oh, no. show, this show is crazy. So, we is, just, I'm intently listening. I'm like, this is like a movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. waiting for that. I'm at the climax. I'm like, okay. but, but Steve, seriously, Steve, thank you. Because I, I know that the reason why is because I'm I'm 100% sure. Uh, because I know who they are. And I know that I'm listening now. Um, we're, we're, what's happening right now, just so you guys know, is there are a couple parents who uh who just recently booted their kid out because it's it's five parents that are actually tuning in and that they uh they all different sides of the country all booted their kids out don't even know each other they're listening right now and they oh. actually and so i was like huh this is interesting they they don't know I, he didn't even know he was going to be on so now he's on 
they're listening. And I'm like, this is interesting. And we got a man here about we got, we got a, a book about, about forgiveness. forgiveness. So uh, the reason why is because I listen and, and parents, parents, if you're judging somebody for kicking their kid out, <laughs> uh, I would be very careful of that, please, because I, I know I'm just saying, how about we just pray for each other and let God be the judge of everything? Because, uh, or at least let's be supportive. But the idea of telling somebody they're a bad parent when you're not willing to deal with the chaos that they're dealing with. And you haven't heard their side of the story. Right. Uh, we, we got two couples, right, or two, two, as of right now, I got two husbands and two wives who are all both walking away from their mates because of addiction right mm -hmm. now. Oh. You see what I'm saying? This is what's happening right like as we speak. And they don't know each other, didn't know he was coming on. So when I say, you know, like, I'm not saying that they're right or right. <laughs> right. But this is what I'm saying. We, listen, guys, didn't even know Steve, Steve was coming. coming he hit me up at, like, what, 630, I think. So something is happening right now. God, like, there's said, a war. God said, guess what? Like, there's a Come war. Going on. But I, like, I'm telling you guys, be careful with your right and wrong ideas and all this other stuff. If you're not in the situation... I suggest you just pray that God comes into the situation but keep your mouth off people. You know, like you're supposed to, you should be standing by your man. If he's going through, you don't, we don't know what, like, let God be the answer, but, but Clay, please continue. No, look, man. I mean, like you're, you're nailing it, brother. And, you know, I think with these parents, um, you know, I talk about it and I counsel on it. The best thing that could ever happen for an addict or an alcoholic is for people to stop enabling them. You know, you have to, you have to, and I'm, I'm going to tell you now, now, now listen, now I'm, I'm going to tell you because I counsel people and the hardest, the, the, the ones that cost my people, the counselees, uh, their lives are their parents who will not stop enabling them. And, when I say stop enabling this, this is, this is, let me paint the picture for you. Uh, you're going to take a piss test. If you live in this house, you're going to take drug tests. You're going to, you're going to work. <laughs> you're going to get up on time. You're going to keep your room clean. You're going to pay me while you're living here. I mean, you, you're going to lay the law down, whatever it might be. Um, but if you slip up again, and if you, you know, while you're in Epic life and Clay's canceling you, I'm right there present with the client, with the, with the parent, and I'm making that client sign a contract right in front of the parent that if they mess up again, and, and, and look, we've already got the inpatient facility laid out, laid out, ready to take them. If you mess up again, you get no money, no phone, no, no room and board. We're calling the law to kick you out of here. You, you get nothing. Do you understand that? I mean, nothing. You're gone. History. Bye. We'll see you later. You're going to check into that inpatient and here's the agreement. It's going to be one year or six months, whichever one we determine. And your parents aren't going to talk to you for 90 days. For 90 days, you get no money. You get no contact. You get no letters. You get no phone calls. 90 days, you get your head straightened out while you're in there. And if, and if you graduate the program successfully and you're compliant, then we will help you financially. We'll help you get back on your feet and uh, re-engage into life again. That, my brother, is 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 the way. And listen, the phone I'm talking to uh, with, with, with you on right now, I have got, man, I've got more than my hand uh, dead people in that phone. Do you hear me? They're dead. 
they're dead because their mom and daddy didn't listen to me or their spouse didn't listen well, to me and kept enabling them. You know, this is really crazy, dude. Oh, he's been sitting there talking about that enabling. I love my mama. And you know, she just passed in December. Matter of fact, my mama just passed December 25th of 2022. And oh, that's what she was. Well, but, you know, and she's a lovely woman. She knew Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So I know at the end of the times, whenever we all get home, I'm going to get to see her again. But that was the problem. You didn't have a man like Clay to say no more. You and I have had the conversation about myself. I don't know if we really went into depth no, about no, my I sibling. Know. I know. But my mother was an enabler. She was that. Oh, yeah. Mom. Me and her had my that, mom exact too, man. that conversation oh. that you just had right there. I've had that exact conversation with my mother time and time again that they have to stop. She had to stop enabling my siblings because the problem is, is they sit there and and I say this in the most you want to talk about possible unforgiveness. It's something I'm definitely going to have to pray about because I'm telling you right now, I would say this. I don't say this. Mm, I don't even know how to say this is how bad it is. But my siblings are what caused my mother's death. Yeah. And I don't say this. I don't know if I have unforgiveness for that because I say that very genuinely. And I don't say it as condemning to them. But because of the way they treated my mother, the way they drained her dry because of their addictions, because of their their mm, disobedient ways that they literally just drained her dry. And then whenever she finally came to the realization that I was leaving, because I had told her I was leaving, because matter of fact, I was leaving December 22nd, but that's when the Lord said that snowstorm and caused me to have to stay. I think that basically, I think that was the catalyst that she's like, well, if he leaves, what am I going to do? They're going to run me over. And I think it just, the father said, nope, and took her home. But so so let me ask you guys something. So, Good Lord have mercy. How So addiction, it, addiction, will take a parent out won't it mm. it'll it'll drain a, it'll put a parent in the grave won't it you dig on right and and look i mean the key here is you have to separate the person from the person and the chemical the mm. person on the chemical is a completely different person than the person without the chemical and I, i'm a good example of that in other words in other words it, 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 there, the way I came to understand that I'm dealing with a spirit, a spirit and not anything natural is this. And I mean, I'm one of those people, brother. I'm not going to turn something loose. I mean, I've studied now well over 10,000 hours in the last 10 years. Everything under the sun, man. I mean, uh, first and foremost, the Bible, uh, but psychology, spirituality and, and everything under the sun. Well, over about 10,000 I'm guesstimating around 10,700 to 11,000 hours. So you, you add that up. It, it's at least 20, 25 hours a week. I mean, I haven't watched secular TV, maybe, I don't know, man, uh, 20, 50, 100 hours total in the last 10 years. I just don't watch it. I study. I study and I'm right. I'm doing something all the time. But anyway, I come to the place of, of it's a spirit. And, and, and here's how I did it is I personally wanted to quit and I would go to a detox unit over 30 times and I'd be physically withdrawn, physically withdrawn. And in my mind, I knew that I knew it was the enemy mm. had a made up mind. It's the enemy. I'm not going to do it again. It's the enemy. I was physically free from it before leaving those detox units, but invariably, Inside of 24 hours, I'd be right back at it. I'm telling you, it's something deeper than willpower. 
it's something deeper and strong that these now you know science or neuroscience wants to lay it down to uh, you know our thinking and brain synapses and tracks that we have laid in our brain and 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 the way we deal with stress and all this other stuff i'm telling you you can call it you can give it whatever name you want to give it it is a spirit and it's a lot stronger uh and it's a lot smarter than we are mm. and um you know so you, need, you have you to bring a to get out of the way you need parents to get out of the way or the enablers to get out of the way in order for the program to work yeah and then so the aha moment for me so i take off and i go to uh, a six-month inpatient program my wife is back living with her mom i had gone to this same exact christ-centered program eight years before and i walked out after 30 days i hated every minute of it this time i went eight years later and i loved every minute of it Come on. i knew that i knew that i knew i was where i needed to be uh i came in there with a humble spirit i come in there on a thursday still hung over and going through withdrawals i made my mind up i was going to the altar on sunday there was a church a little small church built there on the on the premises well uh an evangelist that had graduated the program stacy uh probably like five six years before he was there preaching that day and he preached and at the end of his message he said does anybody out there want prayer and there's probably 100 people out there total about 50 60 men in the program then staff and then people from the community for the first time in my entire life i made with a made-up mind uh i had a made-up mind before i went in there i was not going to leave until i found this jesus that that other people seem to know and 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 i i either thought it was a lie or i knew i didn't know him i wore a cross around my neck and i slept with a bible for years Come on. for years and pe people say that sounds just crazy. well you do crazy things whenever you're in 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 that type of addiction mm -hmm. and depression so i slept with a bible i had a cross around my neck i'd even sobered up enough to actually volunteer at the church on sundays every now and then between my detox units and drinking spells long story short i was going to find this mysterious jesus if he really existed so that sunday i went to the altar and and i ran to the altar i was about the second third one to make it in line for prayer and when i stood there i'll never forget him looking at me he said you come here for prayer what do you need prayer for and my exact words were to be strong enough to be the man that god has called me to be and he said, you think you've been called by God? I said, man, I've been to heaven and I've been dead several times. It doesn't seem like I can die. Uh, <laughs> Come on. You know. Come on, uh, man. God said, not today, Satan. Yeah, look, I'm just telling you exactly what I said. So, <laughs> oh, no, you could. Come on. So nothing happened. Now, no, no, no speaking in tongues, no tears, no anything. But the pastor with the evangelist was praying, laying hands on my forehead, praying in spirit and I didn't know what the heck was going on. So either way I left there that, that Sunday and went back, nothing happened. Didn't feel any different at all. But when I woke up Monday morning, five 30, woke up five 30 Monday morning, I felt about 18 inches off the ground. I mean, I could not, Tell I was walking on the ground for at least 10 days. I would look down at the ground <laughs> and my feet because yes. I couldn't feel myself walking on the ground. Come on. And I had to keep doing this. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, this went on for days. Mm -hmm. I would pinch myself and, and, and to, to, to even figure out if I was here, yeah. I, I, mean, come on. I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel my body. My body felt like it was the weight of a feather. Mm. I couldn't feel myself walking on the ground. I had a peace and I had a joy and a love that surpassed. I didn't understand, I, but I knew that I knew that I knew. You see, I knew. You I knew. Everything no that you, I looked don't for. Need people to believe you right now. At this no. point, you you knew. Everything oh. I looked for in a bag for more than twenty years. Come on. Everything I'd look for in a liquor bottle. Everything I'd look for in a woman. Everything I'd look for in a pill getting snorted. Every time, everything I, everything, everything, my six digits in the bank and my name up there on the big screen as I'm winning manager of the year. Every, I'm telling you, everything, everything that I had ever wanted, I had. And I knew that I knew that I knew that, that, that God Almighty himself had put his hands on me. Yeah. Yeah. You're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Goldsboro. Goldsboro. Uh huh. No, he's coming. He's like he's beginning January. What? He's being on the show. He's coming to film for, for our show on January. That's fine. We're going that direction in January too. <laughs> I want to at least say hi and give his brother a hug. That's all I'm saying. When did we? When did, when, when did we say you're coming here? When are you coming here? Amen. When are you coming in January? What was yes, sir. What was, the, what was the date that you're coming here? I think it was the fourth. Oh, okay. The so fourth Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, the fourth, the fourth Thursday. Oh, the fourth, fourth Thursday. Thursday. Okay, so yeah, the fourth Thursday. Okay. So, so I'm gonna tell you, man, from that moment, I mean, brother, I sat down on that little bed, the little bitty beds, two little bitty beds in each room. I sat down on the side of that bed, and this was probably on a Tuesday, a Tuesday afternoon, two days later. And I told the Lord right by myself, I said, Lord, I want you to use every bit of skill every bit of talent that I ever used for the world and for myself, I want you to use every single bit of it to your glory. November and I want to tell the entire world what I've discovered. Come on. I, I, I want the entire world to know that you're alive. Come on. You're alive. Come on. Oh. You're not some God over there and you're not some God over here or there. You're Jesus and you're alive. You're alive. Amen. And I know you're alive. So either way, man, I mean, like immediately my wife, she, she started coming to see me again. She brought me this little study Bible. I'd never had a Bible. Mm. And uh, the Lord said, do, do a Bible study on the back steps. And I'm like, well, I ain't never read the Bible. What's talking about doing a Bible study? So we went back there on the back steps every Saturday night, 50 guys, all but two guys. I started reading line for line out of the Bible. Then I'd read the commentary below it. And then I'd ask the guys, I'd say, well, can you tell me a story about <laughs> when you think God might have been involved in your life or, 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 you know, God helped you or God protected you or God protected a family member or something like that. And we'd start on the lift and, and then work it around. Let me tell you, brother, an hour, two hours, three hours later on these Saturday nights, you got you've got grown men on the back steps of an inpatient facility weeping and oh, crying and hugging and holding each other. You've got people being born again and set free on the back steps 
with a man, I was having to read the prayer of salvation out of a small Charles Caps book, mm. The Power of Thinking or, or Speaking. My wife had bought me a Bible and a Charles Caps little bitty book. Mm -hmm. I would have to turn to, and, and the very last page has the prayer of salvation. And people say, well, Clay, I want to be saved and I want the Jesus you got. And I said, all right, well, say this prayer if you believe in him. And I'd read right out of the back of Charles Cat's book. I'm going to tell you, man, a move of God happened down there at that place. And then I knew that I knew that I knew. I said, Lord Jesus, you don't need fancy degrees. And I've got one, but you don't need a degree. You don't need this. You don't need that. I'm going to tell you what you need. All you need is, is a vessel, a human being that desires a touch that desires uh, an encounter yeah. with the Lord. Steve. All you need is an individual that seeks that with the testimony. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come and on. I'm going to tell you, you can get more done. You can get more done with some good old country boys, with some good old folks. With no, <laughs> I mean, no, no, I mean, no degree, no degree and no fancy car. And I mean, they ain't got all the fluff and they didn't come from this bloodline or that bloodline and they don't have this and they don't have that. I'm telling you the power, the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit. He, it, it, it's beyond come human on. comprehension and, 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 and his signature always looks like Ephesians 320. It's beyond your dreams or imagination. He signs everything that he does just like that. I learned a lot about the Lord down there in that little, that little Christ-centered regeneration unit. I'd get down there and I would sing in the woods in the morning at 5.30. I'd put my earplugs in because I didn't like to read the Bible. So, so my, my, my mentor there, my, my coach there said, well, Clay, do you like to sing? I said, yeah, but I can't sing good. He said, go down there and put your earplugs in as long as it's Christian singing. So it was third day. I was saying, I want to sing a song for you, Lord. I sit right down there in them woods with them earbuds at 530 in the morning. And as God is my witness, I'd sing to the top of my lungs and tears of joy would just run down my face in the presence of almighty God was so powerful down there in the woods, in the woods at 530 and 545 in the morning. Listen to me now. I started looking every single morning. There would be a squirrel and he'd be about a hundred yards. I wrote about it in the book, about a hundred yards in the woods. And I see him run up the tree and run across a branch and he jumped to the other tree every single morning at the same time as I'm playing my third day, the same song, song tracks. I said, man, am I waking that squirrel up or, or is the squirrel responding to the presence of God? So I changed up the time that I started singing and sure enough, the squirrel waited until the song track went wet. But look, that that's, that's not it. I've got more than 50 witnesses, including my wife, a white dove. Now listen, this old country boy has been dove hunting many a day in his life. And I live out in the country right now. And ain't nothing but fields around me. I've never seen a white dove in the wild. A white dove landed outside of our little dormitory and stayed there for about two weeks. A white dove, white, not gray, not white and gray blended. A solid white dove stood there right there on the power line, right outside of my window, right by itself. But that's just the beginning of things. Me and Pinky, the, uh, the uh, ministry leader there, the praise and worship leader, he was my mentor. He's the one that let me 
sing in the woods, man. Me and him were inside the church on a Saturday. We cleaned up the whole facility. Me and Pinky, now that's a, he was the spirit-filled man of God of the whole place. The pastor that run the place would go to Pinky for prayer. Little bitty black man, about five foot four, and he talked really soft, and he couldn't really read good. But man, until he prayed. And son, when he prayed, it sounded like something that was coming from another dimension. Either way, me and Larry's in there. Larry's up there playing the guitar and playing the piano, singing to the Lord. I'm out there with the vacuum cleaner in the middle of the aisle. I'm singing to the Lord. So help me. When Larry Pinkston starts playing the piano, I heard a harp and a flute. I heard a violin. I heard musical instruments join us in the middle of this prayer praise session. Wow. As God is my witness, he stopped playing the music. I cut the vacuum cleaner off. I said, did you hear that? Through the entire song, you could hear the, 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 the noise of, of the, I mean, it, and the beautiful flute. You, I mean, and Larry told me, he said, Clay, Angels will come and worship the Lord with you when you're worshiping. Brother, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I discovered, and I had never read the Bible, but when I read the Bible down at Potter's Will, this is almost 10 years ago, it was like I was reading it after I had already been taught it. It was like I already knew what was in the Bible, and I'd never read it in my entire life. The reason why I tell people to be careful how you look at people in their situation is because you don't know how God's going to have them come out of it. Dude, listen to this. You're talking about the angels coming? Yes, sir. There was this one time, brother, listen, I was at this old church, long story short, but I'll just go straight to it. I was sitting in there. There's about probably 20 people there, 20 older, younger, little kids, and we got into the worship. And you know me. I love to sing. I don't like to sing in front of everybody. I like to just sing to God. And I got into this worship. And brother, it's as if the angels, the choir, the heavenly choir of angels came down in there with us. <laughs> yes, now sir. listen, in this process, now this is a this is a Baptist church, landmark Baptist, dude. Listen, ain't nobody getting down on their knees. They ain't crying. They ain't act, dude. And I ain't one of those type of worshipers. You know, I'll stand there when I just stand there holding my little ZZs. I'll be praising. That day. No, that choir came down in there, dude. I had to get down on my knees. I could not stand up. Like, I mean, I got down. I was down on my knees. No, not one other person. But boy, and the preacher didn't even come over there and say nothing to me. I'm sitting there on the altar crying. Like, I couldn't get up because it was like the choir, the angel, the heavenly choir, dude, was sitting there singing. I mean, it, it was... Man, you just, oh boy, brother, you just lifted my spirit up so much when you said that because that just, man, bringing that to remembrance. I'm talking like it was as if all the angels came there just to worship with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in that moment, man. I just, yep. Now, now oh, I, I do got to ask you. Man, don't get me going. I got to ask you, Steve, because this is. I can't this wait is, to meet this. I can't this, wait to meet this. I, listen, listen, man, like in the mornings, mm -hmm. the men, the men in that program saw God moving so powerfully. The, it, it, in the mornings, I, I would start singing, and, and some mornings I would be worried. Like, I, I didn't feel like he was going to show up, and it would worry me. I'd wake up before I could get down to the woods, and I'm like, he, he ain't going to show up this morning. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have this divine encounter this morning. Just as sure 
just as sure, just as sure as you think he ain't showing up, he's showing up. He's showing up every time like clockwork. And what he would feel like sometimes, it would feel like a weighted, like a heavy uh, 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 thermal electric blanket. And, and it would pull you almost into almost like a fetal type position. Just and, you. And, and you would sit there and weep. Here I was in the middle of the springtime going into the summer by then. And I, it, it was hot. Oh, and here I am I with hairs on my hands and toes and everywhere oh. raised up and just oh. tears of pure joy smiling while right I'm now. crying. I said, I got, hallelujah. I got to stop on, you right brother. there. I got to stop on. you right there. I got to talk to men about this. Listen, fellas. We gotta get to worship, men. Men, I know that the church is full of women. I get it, but there is nothing like a man that cries out to God. You know, especially when he's been good to you. Don't Come think on. you gotta hold that in. You know what I mean? Don't think you gotta hold it, especially if he's been good to you. Because uh, look, like, like you gotta. We we're all grown men here. And we're telling you, country boys at that. Country boys, <laughs> country boys at that. We're telling you, listen, get, give your God, give the give true God. and living God your tears. So, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, Steve, I, I definitely need you to respond to this because, again, you know, this concept of uh, get, getting to this place, it requires some things like. How do you? Because I know how sneaky the enemy is, and 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 Clay, I want to get to you in a minute on this. But Steve, when you're in your deliverance process, and the enemy starts reminding you of what you do, you've done, how do you forgive yourself when you've made your mind up that you're going to change, that that you're going to let God change you, and you're going to commit to God? How do you forgive yourself from the past? I agree with him. <laughs> Come on. Come on now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you went, you did it, didn't you? Oh so my now God. it's good to Come on. <laughs> I think what Clay's gone through is, you know, it's not till we come to the end where we're going to say, okay, I, I repent of my pride. Mm. I can't do it. Come on. So, is that it? So, I, I you good? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to make sure right now because he said listen. I agree with him. The issue is we try to get smart, right? And it's like he's like you know the enemy tries to remind you of what you've done. He's like, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. You're like, I did do that. Yeah, I did do that. What does it and, say? But we don't what, scripture. There's a scripture that goes to that. Because agree with the adversary, right? Agree with the adversary. Quickly. Say, yeah, and quickly. Because I think what happens, Clay, is. Yeah, with your, but that is your, he's coming at you. Because I think what happens, Clay, is that the enemy tries to use our actual past against us so we can't move forward. But if you just go, yeah, I did do that, and that's what God has forgiven me for. That's what Christ, I did do that. That's what the blood of Christ is for. You now have destroyed the conversation. Because I noticed that one of the things that a lot of addicts struggle with is the monster of shame. Mm. So, real quick, just so I could get this out, confirmation. What did I tell you I do? As far as the blanket. Oh, what did I tell you? I have a 15 pound weighted blanket, and there, you know what? I, whatever, we're gonna do this. We're gonna be grown men. We're gonna talk about truth here. We're gonna talk about how we show our God love. 
So I wrap myself in a 15 pound weighted blanket because, it, and I cry out to God some nights because I've been lonely these past four years. And I, I was married for 13. I loved having that companion. But I told God, if this is the life you're going to want from me, you're going to have to come hold me. And I would cry out with him and I'd have that blanket. And it was like he was hugging me and holding me all night long. And it was the best, like, the first time I ever used this weighted blanket. And I and I was, you know, I had got like this is in that moment of that. And I'm tears rolling. I'm like, if, you, if this is going to be the life I have to be by myself, you're going to hold me. You're going to you're going to be the one that comforts me. Right. And that's and it's funny that you say that's how he feels like that weighted, warm blanket. Yeah, that's exactly what I use that blanket for. And I was just telling Brother Steve this last night, wow. like last night. This is the first man. And y'all, the I guess whoever else is listening, y'all too now. Are the other ones that I've just told that the first time I've even told anybody else about it because it's like odd oh, thing about a man, right? I don't want to tell right. you the sensitive side of me, but this is what I'm saying: reaching out, crying out to God, saying, "I need this in my life." He knows we need somebody else, and I needed Him for that comfort. Yeah, so when I think about I, oh man, when I think about how we got to where we are, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, get, you get me right. Where did these, where did we, like, when we were this. born, we went from a child. And I said this to Judah the other day. I said, we went from a child absolutely, completely in need. Mm. We need someone to clothe us, feed us. We needed everything. Our state of being was needy. We were mm -hmm. a baby. We needed everything. But it's like, at what point did we get in our life where we thought we didn't need somebody? Come on. At what point did we think we didn't need someone greater than us? Come on, 11 years old. <laughs> he said 11. He oh, put it on the day. He put, the day. 11, he put right, a number that right. day right here. No, no, seriously. And I get it. I well, get yeah. it because you, you can't. And it's like, that's the date of deception. Mm. That was the day that the enemy was able to communicate to us and say, we can do this on our own. And I want to tell you, big people, Clay just told us it doesn't matter how much money. Because I'm, I'm telling you, Clay, to be totally honest with you, I'm tired of hearing the testimonies of millionaires and billionaires who are taking their own life who are dying horrible deaths and i'm like church we have a responsibility to not just preach to the poor we got to mm -hmm. preach to these brothers that are being seduced and manipulated by money mm -hmm. we got to preach the gospel to these people who are being the enemy has it i don't care if they're one percenter he said i'll leave the 99 for the one percent you know what oh. i mean i'll leave the 99 for the one we always think the one is the downtrodden. What if the one is the rich? Hey, the poor in spirit. Come on. You know what I mean? What if the one is the rich? We've got to get the, the gospel to everybody, guys. When I look at Jeremiah chapter 5, Jeremiah chapter 5, <laughs> Jeremiah went to the poor first. They didn't listen. He goes, oh, yeah, well, let me go to the rich. He went to the rich, and God was like, they're all crazy. They're all broken. <laughs> they're, they're all lost. They're all crazy. So, so, so my point is, my, my point is, you know, everybody, guys, we cannot get sucked into, you know, any situation, whether they're rich, poor, whether they're addict or not, everybody needs to hear the gospel. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. We have too much work to do not to preach the gospel. But I do know that with this particular situation, like, like Steve this is the thing. We, uh, before you got on, uh, Lee had just made the comment that if we don't deal with this forgiveness thing, oh. that you know it doesn't matter how much you've conquered, how much you overcome, 
that you cannot you're not going to enter the kingdom of god you're not um sorry so steve this mountain of forgiveness you know um it's a mountain of offense. Yeah. It's a mountain of offense. Yes. Because there's a lot of offense in his, his a life that when he in was living in. Yeah. yeah. And so so how do you get to this place where you say to yourself, okay, I've offended a lot of people, but I, I can't drown my life with guilt because I feel like I've got to move on and let God bless me. How do you give yourself permission to move on past the people that you've offended? I think a lot of it has to do with <clears throat> no longer depending on what you can do, but who you are. Mm. And I'll, I'll use the illustration of a two-year-old makes a finger painting, brings it to dad, says, dad, I made this because I love you. She's not concerned with the quality. I mean, it's really a waste of paper and paint, what she did. But it goes up on the refrigerator. Mm. And that's the idea that, you know, the, the best we can do as people compared to just a simple leaf is nothing. Mm. It's a finger painting. But it's when we come with that heart of Guilty, saying, right? God, I love you. I made this for you. And that's where you step beyond saying, yeah, I agree with you. I really blew it. And you just, you accept his love. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people have trouble is accepting that God loves them, even though they can't do anything. Mm. And yet we don't realize, I mean, just look at the hand and the, 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 the complexity of the hand. We can, our scientists can barely come up with one, yet God makes them by the billions. Oof. So when you compare to what we can do, compared to God's creation, it's a finger painting. <laughs> well, that goes to the scripture, though. Our righteousness is but filthy rags. Filthy rags. I mean, that's just that's just it. Anything that we do is but just finger painting. Mm -hmm. what, well, look, Clay, let me ask you this. Why did you think you had the ability... Why did you think you had the ability to go back into that world and bring others out it, where a lot of people would want to stay as far away from that world as possible? God showed me two visions and I haven't seen two visions like that uh, since Potter's Wheel. And it was about three. I've been there about three or four weeks and he showed me, and you know, some people get visions all the time. And I mean, I think that's great. I've only received two. And I mean, like I sit down with two chairs, the book, Bob Bodine, the two chairs talking to the Lord with my notebook in the mornings, you know, but when it comes to clear vision, I've only gotten two. And one of them was me. I was dropped out of like space. I was dropped out of the air and I, I was coming down and I landed like in this field that was hundreds of acres big and it was pitch dark. You couldn't see anything. And I dropped the one knee, one knee was up and I was my, uh, my elbow was on my knee. And when I looked up in this dark field, it was like, I had a Bible in my hand right here. 
And when I opened my mouth, man, it was like a freaking laser. It was like light. And I could see all this just demons everywhere, man. And it was just like I was slaying them. You know what I'm saying? Like everywhere I would look, it would be, you know, it was weird. So I kind of, I kind that was like week three. And then he showed me immediately after that, he showed me a canvas and he showed me a uh, palette, a paint palette with, with, with a brush. And I knew what he was telling me. What he was telling me was paint it, just paint it, just do it, just do it, just paint whatever you want to paint, do whatever you want to do. So, you know, why did I come back <coughs> to the group? I will, you know, that really, I mean, I'm right back to the same people I was. Um, <clears throat> because I think they're misunderstood. You know, you've got a treatment model, according to Lance Dodds of Harvard. And if you can Google this right now, Lance Dodd Harvard says uh, treatment models are only successful six to eight percent of the time. Well, man, I mean, I met thousands of people uh, in all these detox units and inpatient facilities, thousands. And there's I mean, they're intelligent, man. They're freaking brilliant. Some of the most brilliant people on the planet Earth, for God's sakes, I met in these places. I met attorneys and lawyers and. I just uh, uh, doctors and just all these people. And I'm like, I, here I am, a corporate guy, a one percenter. I'm like, what? 90 plus percent of the people here want to get better. Only about 6% are getting better. What's the problem? Mm. What is the problem, man? And, you know, I made my mind up when I got out that I was going to reveal what the problem was. That, that I'm, I'm just, I'm just fed up with it. I mean, I'm, I'm fed up with people dying. I'm fed up with parents uh, being families being destroyed. The number one causal factor of a child uh, developing addiction is watching a, a parent frequently use alcohol or a chemical. So, you know, I mean, look at me, man, all my brothers, three of us ended up alcoholics and addicts and we were raised in it. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm not the only one. You talk about forgiveness. First thing you got to do is realize you're not the lone ranger. You're not the lone ranger here, man. One in eight Americans has an AUD. One in eight. You're not the lone ranger. You're not alone. You know, secondly, I and, and you guys, uh, Pastor uh, Duke and, and Lee and, and, and Pastor Steve, you, me, all of us have something in common. We are products of our best thinking. It's my best thinking after 52 years and some change that's got me where I'm at financially, relationally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's my best thinking that's got us to today. <laughs> now, 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 I mean, hold on a minute now, but think about it now. I'm a different man today than I was five years ago. Mm. I'm a much different man than I was 15 years ago. So when it comes to forgiveness, man, I have to keep in mind that in a day, that individual could be a completely different person in one day. But I know in two years, in five years, 10 years, man, we change. I mean, we change and, and people change and people grow. Um, and, I, you have to look at each individual. You have to separate them from the behavior of them using that chemical. Um, they're not an alcoholic. They are a person who uses alcohol. 
They're not a drug addict. They are a person who uses drugs. Six all day. I mean, you know, in the court of law, when you're being, if you killed somebody, the judge don't look at you and say, uh, Mr. Homicide, you are sentenced to blah, blah, blah. He says, no, Mr. Jones, you're being sentenced for the crime of murdering blah, blah, blah. I mean, you, you've got to drop this junk, man, of, of attaching and and looking you, you got to dig deep with identity identity is number one identity to help people break out of that mud um i mean my god man you you i mean do you realize you got millions and pe people around the united states right now raising their hand tonight saying hi i'm clay and i'm an alcoholic mm. my god is that anti-christ or what man what in the world are you talking about I'm saying i'm a sinner you done lost your mind, fool. Hold on a minute now. Now listen now. I mean, like this, this, this right here is what I reveal to people. Imagine this from. Uh, imagine how stupid we've gotten to the point where we allow medicine to do this. Now listen to it. Now listen to it. They have now decided that obesity is a disease. That that drinking too much alcohol is a disease. So now I'm now now start the bus now. So what so what you're telling me is is me picking my fork up, me picking my fork up too much, and eating the wrong thing, and me deciding not to go exercise. I got a disease. So what you're telling me now? So what you're telling me now is is me taking my arm with my fingers. And picking up an alcoholic beverage that nobody else is making me pick up, but I'm picking it up myself and drinking. You're telling me I've got a disease and, and it's terminal. I'm going to have it forever. Could you imagine a morbidly obese person? Imagine this a morbidly obese, 300 pounds overweight. They lose the 300 pounds, they're their ideal weight. Could you imagine? Imagine that morbidly obese person. Let's just say it was Bob. Bob saying, hi, I'm Bob. I'm morbidly obese. You look at Bob like he's a nut. Bob, have you lost your mind? Son? You're, you're your ideal that. weight, your perfect you're weight. You're not morbidly. Hi, I'm Bob. I'm morbidly obese. Yeah. Uh, and I have a disease. Yeah, it I have a disease. It denies deliverance. You can't, like, you're using the, the power of. How like, crazy you, is this? Like, this is what we've been, this is what we've actually been discussing. I've been just. The well, father's had it on my spirit. Right, okay. it, it takes when you have a disease, then you're no longer responsible Ooh. for what you've done, and <laughs> that's a good ex that, that that's, that's that's attractive to an addict, isn't it? Yep. Clay, that that's attractive to an addict. Oh yeah. You, you give him a scapegoat when you say that, that part. It's this. I'm not responsible. It's that. Yeah, it's that's it. ah. it's, something, it's something or someone else's fault that I'm this way. It's not my it's fault. fault. It's something or someone else. And it deals with abuse. It deals with adultery. Mm. It's um. all these sins that we have given a disease to. Mm. And now we get out of it because it's not me. It's not my choices. It's this disease I have. Dude, what is the father doing? I don't know if you. What so is the we. Father doing so right basically, now? the, you know what? Oh, I know what it is. It's Psalm chapter one, actually. Oh, yeah. It's Psalm chapter one. It's Psalm chapter one. This is why we got to be careful. 
Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the man that walketh not, not in, in the counsel, counsel of, of the ungodly. Ungodly counsel, that includes ungodly professional counsel. Oh, this is why you better believe it. Because these you, you see all the, uh, the psychiatric manual that defines what are psychiatric diseases. Mm. It continues to grow and adds more and more. That's why I say I can't get sick. Right. Listen, Not guys. Easy. Listen, listen, guys. Have, have have you ever Googled Googled what people were put into institutions for in the late 1800s? You're going to hear on there reading too much, masturbation, talking about politics too much, talking about their children too much, thinking about sex too much, talking about that. Too. I mean, do you realize that we'd all be in a men's, mental institution? I mean, it's insane. Here's what, what I'm trying to say. They they have gone from a handful of behavioral disorders to hundreds. Mm -hmm. They can't wow. charge an insurance company for you making poor decisions, but they can <laughs> charge an insurance company if you got a disease. Oh, whoa! Yep. So everything that they're calling a disease is good for the insurance, and, they want and you the you have a corporate mindset, so you would catch that quickly, you real quick. You would catch that quickly because you're like, yeah, let's make this a law because this is better for real estate. Let's make this a law. So your brain works like that where you would be able to say, hey, there's a corporate interest in calling all of these things diseases because now, now the corporate interest is these insurance companies can – these insurance companies are getting money from the, the hospitals to cover these bills and things like that. You see what I mean? Or they get money from the government to cover these hospital bills to treat alcoholism and things like that because they keep calling you. We're about to get into this. No, they, they get extra premiums from the people. Yep. They justify so higher premiums. Then you can start looking into what they act, what the pills are actually made of. The petroleum company, look how many pills are actually produced by petroleum companies. Who's actually pushing the agenda here? Well, what's interesting is that... Let's just what, say it. If we're going to get deep into it, let's just go ahead and dive in first. Because I minister to so many people who are homeless, who are facing addiction, they, when I tell them, oh, have you tried this clinic? They go, yeah, they don't actually help us. They don't care about us. So I'm getting 20 years of data, you know what I'm saying, as a, as a pastor, and I'm going, man... Well, you know, have you tried Jesus? Well, they're like, yeah, but the church is always closed. Do you see what I mean? The church is always closed. They're like It's like, yeah, we tried Jesus, but the church is always closed. There's no place for us to go during the day. Or there's this and that. And I'm like, no, I'm not really buying that. I know there's always somebody somewhere, somewhere that cares. However, I do know that the church, as the body of Christ, we got to start dealing. I tell people, all things family is the church's responsibility. All things family. What do you call family though? Exactly. Like this is the this is the beautiful part. Anything that has to do with with mankind that God, God that's why he said go throughout all the world preaching the gospel. You know what I mean? And we got to stop being afraid of topics uh such as addiction that that's just something else for God to deal with and God to knock out and he's called people likely. Now now we're never going to we're never going to see these people delivered the way he was delivered and the way he, if we don't deal with, <laughs> if we don't deal with the, the forgiveness part. 
It's like you can't get to where at what point did you decide, Clay, that you you were going to uh forgive yourself? When did that happen? That's been a process, man. I mean, my twenty one year old daughter uh still doesn't talk to me. And her house is less than uh five miles from my house. And she goes to a private school maybe an hour and a half from here to respect that I wasn't much of a father figure at all in her life and i have to respect her as a person uh and understand that there are people and there are things that you've done that they're just simply not going going to forgive you and when it comes to forgiving myself and moving forward that comes within learning your identity in christ there's there is simply no other way around it i am not i look I'm blessed in this. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm more than a conqueror. I, I do you hear what I'm therefore now, if anyone be in Christ, I am a new creation. That's who I am. And I'm made in the image and the likeness of my father. That's Amen. just who I am. I'm more than a conqueror and I can do all things. Go you on. know, I have to personalize those scriptures uh, I have to personalize them and I have to put them deep down inside of me. And I have to realize that, um, you know, God's in the business of of forgiveness and, and cleansing and, and unto salvation of sinners. And the last time I checked, there won't no saints on the planet. You know what I mean? We're all sinners. And I have to I have to I have to reflect on. You know, what looks dirty and ugly from the outset, you could see my addiction, but I'm going to tell you what's just as ugly and nasty is that unforgiving, hypocritical, self-righteous, prejudiced, I mean, demonic spirits that are on people right up in the church house. I would have rather been dealing with one where I could look at it, you know what I mean, and people could see it, than that unforgiving hypocrite spirit that so many other people deal with. You know what I mean? I believe you'll go to hell a whole lot faster with that stuff than you will the outward signs of addiction and oppression. So I'm grateful that I was an alcoholic. I am grateful that I I was a drug addict at one point in time. And I'm going to tell you why I'm grateful. Because if it wasn't for that, I would have never cried out to him. I was my own God. I didn't need nobody's opinion and I didn't need no God. And, and in America today, people are their own God. They decide what's offensive. They decide what's offensive. They shop a church until they find one that's comfortable for them. And the pastor don't preach anything that's, you know, that they don't disagree with. They, they determine, uh, look, they're their own God. They, they, they aren't ruled by biblical precepts. They are their own God. Mm-hmm. And I would have died and went straight to hell unless it not had been for a bottle. Praise the Lord that I picked the bottle up and found addiction and found uh, uh, alcoholism because without it, 
I'd have never cried out to my Savior. Right. Somebody that don't need saving from something ain't crying out to a Savior. Now, you and, guys, and, you, hold, on, hold on one second, because I want to say this, because I know somebody's out there trying to cherry pick, and I want to explain uh, something to you. I hope they do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're talking about Give me a call at 919-252-9552, and I'll tell your nasty self with that <laughs> nasty personality and that judgmental personality looking for somebody to say things. Everything's got to be said. Just look. I'm going to tell you, no, McDonald's no, messed no, up your no, order no, 15 no, times, but you're still going back to McDonald's. I want you to hear this, because I want you to hear this. This is powerful. There's a difference between watching a war movie at the comfort of your home and being at war. You don't know the types of decisions you're going to make when you're on the war field. You don't know the type of things you're going to like. You're gonna be have to ask to do, the type of things you're going to see. But watching a movie from the comfort of your own home is one thing. When somebody says something as deep as he just said, he basically, in case you, so let me translate what he just said. He was saying, <laughs> I would rather be an alcoholic, a homeless person who finds Jesus than go to hell. That's what he just said. And if you're too insane, you're too ridiculous, if you're too religious to understand that, you got your own set of problems. You need he's, to saying, he's saying, I would do everything the exact same way if that meant it led that it led me to Christ. Because he didn't, you guys, this is what I was trying to tell you. We're not dealing with somebody that just, we, we love the rags to riches story. And he did do that, but he got to the riches and it wasn't enough. It, nope. he, he, and so when, then he got to the bottom and he's like, well, this isn't right. I've been here before. This isn't right. He's like, man, I need Jesus. He gets Jesus and finds everything he needs in that. And, and if you're too religious to understand that he's saying, I found the best thing ever in that. I don't, don't try to talk to me. You can't tip me with your money. You can't tip me with your drugs either. Because this is what's so interesting about the same person that'll get, well, he didn't have to say it that way. Shut your mouth. Shut your thoughts. Because you, he did need to say it that way. Because there are people who would rather go through, like, burn me alive, cut me in half, yeah. you know, cut my feet off, cut, pluck my eyes out. But I do not want to go to hell. You want to hear this part? If you get true salvation and you hear what he said, you say, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand. I, you would much prefer getting to that lowest point in your life to where nothing else matters, where you're literally going to slit your wrist. That's what I was saying. With, and get so Jesus, funny. then not get Jesus. So, so here's what's going on with Lee. Oh. This is so interesting. Is that I just said how I just said how I said, Lee. I think it's interesting how easily you forget that other people keep their distractions. Lee was in a situation where he was about to take his own life, and God, he said to God, "Look, if you don't take this life, I'm gonna. If you don't do something with this life, I'm gonna take it." So then he buries himself in the Word of God for four years in his small town of Carlisle, Arkansas. Buries himself in, in the Word of God for four years, and now he comes out, and God gives him a word to come here. And and people are looking at him weird, and they're like, "Why do you act this way? Why all you want to do is talk about the Bible for real?" He can see things, and you know, like, "Hey, we should be doing this. We need to be doing this. We need." He's motivated by a different fire now, <laughs> you know. But I know the reason that. why you're seeing other people and even church people not talking about Jesus and not on fire for Jesus is because they don't know Jesus. 
Right. They've never had an encounter hey, with Jesus. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, you are one of the few with us. So when, when he says that he like so the concern is his concern is you know the, like the amount of people, not just the loss. And I said this is such a beautiful heart. His concern is not just the loss, his concern is those that actually are confused when Jesus says depart from me you workers of iniquity and they go didn't i preach in your name didn't i do this in your name did we heal the sick in your name and he says depart from me you workers of iniquity i think this is and and that's, right. a, that's depart a from me for i never knew you i never knew you means the whole time you but yet, were serving me but yet you you're were. sitting here telling him i prophesied in your name i did good deeds in your name i did miracles in your name so they think they know him They've served for 50 whatever years here on earth thinking they knew him. And then he's going to look at them and say goodbye for eternity. I don't I'm gonna want tell their you. lives to go to waste. I want them in eternity with us. And I know that's where they want to be. And it's like if you don't have a heart for that and the lost. It's a different story, you know, I mean, like you hear a different story for, for each individual. They have their own unique experience, uh, you know, with God. But I can tell you this as for me and my house and, and, and this man <laughs> is is until I got to the end of myself, mm. only did I find him. Come on. And I'm going to tell you, when it comes to your problems, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your, your, your mental issues and all these things, until you get to the end of yourself on that, will you find the hand of the Lord? Come on. Yeah. God is not in the business of competing with you. He's not in the business mm -hmm. of, of, of dealing with your pride and, and yourself and your selfness. He's looking. He said, come to me as a child. Just come to me as a child. And and for 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 many, including myself, when the master put his hand on me, it's like he took me back to a very like a childhood. Well, I got to tell just the radio audience. At, I gotta, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got to tell the radio audience goodbye. We just hit 10 o'clock and uh, <laughs> I don't want to get fired. I love you guys. Love you guys. But we are still oh, live on Jesus the radio. We're still we're still live on StreamYard. So if you guys want to tune in, go to Coming to Jesus T-shirts on Facebook or current FM on Facebook. We love you guys. You have yeah. a good night. So, verse 4? Is that what we're looking at? Here, here? we go. Oh, three. No, we're still we're good. We're good. So, cha Hebrews chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 and 5. We're just going to read until I feel the Holy Spirit tells me to stop, I guess. But here we go. And oh, this will... And, oh, hey. <laughs> and this we <laughs> will we do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who once were enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Hebrews, 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 Hebrews 6, verses, well, yeah, we're going to start at verse 3. Hebrews 6, verse 3. All right. Oh, I'll just say Hebrews 6. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. And it, and we're going to start at verse 3. And this we, will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who once were, want, were enlightened. And have tasted of the heavenly gift, takers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame, 
we're reading here. Keep going. And for the earth which drinketh in the rain upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet them by whom it is dressed, receives from it, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and it and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things do and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Is that the part you were wanting to get to? Actually, it was the earlier part there oh. where he's talking about tasted of God. Oh, right. right. Of goodness and walk away. Right. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm glad. Now I know why the Holy Spirit kept having me go, though. That's why I had to stop. And, and that ye have ministered to the saints see there are people that are our brothers and sisters that are sitting here and they are i see as you know we're all saints if we call if we matter of fact the saints of god are those who keep the, the testimony and faith of jesus christ and god's commandments you know revelations 12 17 yeah, and revelations 14 12 the scripture tells us that the scripture tells us that in the last days we will be able to defeat the red dragon with the blood of christ and the power of our testimonies and this, the, the only way to really have that testimony is for the word to be alive in you. Because I realized something. We've seen this before where they were attacking the Bible. They were burning Bibles. They were doing this. So that we may not always, and the more we get addicted to these phones and cell phones, we may not always have a physical Bible on us. This is why it's important for the word of God to be able to be alive in us now. The word of, the, well, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> This is what I'm saying is that there we already know that there's an assault on the Bible. They're changing scriptures. People, if you're hearing my voice right now, it is important that the word of God gets in you now. That the word of God gets in you. You can't yeah. trust the digital world. Am I making sense at all? Yes, you are. You're it's speaking like, fast. You, you've got to, you know, the word of God has got to get in you now because you, you listen, what I noticed, one thing I noticed about God, and it's going to sound terrible, but you guys got to just deal with it, is that I'll translate. <laughs> he holds the deceived just as accountable as the deceiver. You're given. The deceived are just as accountable as the deceiver. This is why you have to be in your word. So you shall not be deceived even by those who are standing in those pulpits. This yeah. is why you have to know the word just as well as those who call themselves preachers and pastors and rabbis. If you do not, then you are letting them lead you off the cliff. Right, because 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 when, when I hear sorry, so no, sorry, guys. I, I gotta I like say this about you, Clay. You Clay, you are hold it for a minute. You are the preacher's nightmare. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you, the club. Clay, Clay, you are the preacher's nightmare. What do you do when this mess comes to your church? You see what I mean? What do you do when this drama, this trauma drama comes to your church? And all you know is church tradition. You you can't deal with this type of stuff. Yeah, you can't deal with a clay world if all you know is church tradition, if there's no power of God in that church. And that's part of what I was saying earlier is we give, we pigeonhole people and say, that's, here's our solution to this pigeonhole. And it may be totally irrelevant to that person. Right. 
because we see i go to i mean like i go to a uh <laughs> go ahead, go i go ahead. to a spirit field church of god and it i mean we we have powerful praise and worship uh excellent teaching of the word and it's the real deal and um I mean, I people. I, I mean, we we have altar calls. We have laying on hands. Um, I mean, it's a full apostolic. I mean, we roll, and uh, you know, you you've got you've got the world today trying to intellectualize and to try to intellectually understand God. You, you you have entire denominations, and you've got entire churches, and even these Protestant. Uh, they, they, they call themselves a, even charismatic spirit field. They, they call themselves that, but I'll tell you, if you listen to them long enough and watch their praise and worship, they're literally trying to intellectually understand God, that there is no power of Holy spirit. There is no demonstration. You do not see the fivefold in full operation. And if you don't see that, and if you don't see a steady flow of new believers, newcomers, new conversions. Uh, that's what keeps the lifeblood in, 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 in those buildings. But I mean, praise God, man, Bishop Danny Johnson uh, here in Goldsboro, uh, Goldsboro Worship Center. I mean, spirit filled. And we were, we were in the 4% of churches that actually grew during COVID. We got a congregation of around five, 600, but we grew during COVID. Um, so you guys didn't shut down. Yeah, I, I think for like one week, two weeks. Other than that, we were just like he 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 made the call. Now we 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 we're not going that route. So we got a we we've got a growing body, but it's spirit filled, man. I mean, the praise and the worship is is led, and uh, it's led with the full intention of praising and worshiping Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're not singing songs. We are worshiping God. We are going to the throne. We we are singing songs and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's what we do. We're not there to perform or, or to play. Um, right. So I, I have a really different view of because I've seen them all. And, and I'm just telling you. I'm not saying that you're going to die and go to hell if, if you're not in a spirit-filled church. I'm not saying that at all. I believe that you could be Catholic. I believe you could be Baptist. I believe you could be Methodist or Protestant, Presbyterian, any of them. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died and, and was raised on the third day, and forget if you repent and you believe that and confess that with your mouth, I'd say that that would mean you're saved. Now, are you born again? Have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Here's here's where it gets tricky. Um, I'll say it like this: You'll know, you'll know. I mean, and you'll if you don't them. know, and and if you don't know, you'll know them by their fruits. If you don't know, then the answer is no. It's <laughs> it's that simple. Peep peep some clay. I mean, you you. You're like a completely different guy that I used to know 15, 20 years ago. Clay, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Or I, I don't. I don't. If, if you don't know, then the answer is no. I, number one, salvation is not a feeling. 
Salvation is not a feeling. Uh, and the devil has a field day. The first thing, he go, first thing he's going to do is attack you and make you question your own salvation. But my question would be, do you enjoy and do you plan your sin like you used to? I would start planning my sin on, on Tuesday and Wednesday for Friday night. <laughs> I mean, I and, and look, right. I, I, you, you talk my. I, I mean, fit, conviction. Are, are you kidding me? Man, look, I can't even go down the road now and say something that I think something that ain't right. And I'm like, Lord, feeling convicted. So the evidence of your salvation is do you have any conviction at all when you've done something wrong? There's a powerful evidence mm -hmm. of your true salvation. But you, the Bible says you must be born again. You stop, must be born you again. Quick. I got to stop you real quick. Steve, I want to hear from you uh, about how dangerous is pride? When I say pride to you, like, like, is this something that you can just overlook? Is this something like, so what? I suffer with pride. So what? Or is it, or is this, is this a, a life changing thing? If I decide to keep pride in my life, how, how dangerous really is pride? I think it's there's a difference between confidence and pride. Oh no! I was, I still, that, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I think it's it's in First uh, Peter, and he says, um, you know, humble yourself and cast your cares on God, because your adversary, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he whom he may devour. His key weapon is our pride. Ooh, ooh. Clay, Clay, what about you? If I, how dangerous do you say pride is? Because that was, first of all, that was solid. Yeah. That was solid. Uh, because when I think about pride, uh, specifically with your particular story, it's like, man, do they really say, man, God can't. And when you once you start saying what God can do, I think you're in a world of trouble. And who God can and can't save, I think you're in a world of trouble. When you start saying can't God can't, I think that's a very prideful thing. But, but or or, or, or uh, yeah, yeah. But just tell me your perspective of pride. How dangerous is pride? Look, I I mean, you got to be careful with it. You got to be careful. Uh, you got to be careful uh, around women. Careful around money. Uh, and careful with your own pride. You don't sit, sit around and celebrate uh, past success or, or, or great moves of God or things. And in other words, you know, sitting there looking at look at what I've done or look at what I've got or look at look at, you know, this or that. The Bible says if you look in Hebrew, there is no word to have. There is no word to have. Everything is to be right. Um, so, you know, looking at things through the perspective, God, I know what God did on my life. God allowed me to have about everything a human being can buy before I found him. So I discovered that stuff, that stuff can't make you happy, that that stuff that is just not found in stuff. 
Um, so with pride, I mean, competing with the Joneses and, and competing with other people. I mean, look, I, even church folk, man, they're jealous, boy, they're jealous. You tell them about something great or, or good that just happened to you or something new you just bought and, and just look at the look on their face. Um, you know, we, we, we lived in a, we live in a world that's driven on pride and ego and, and, um, it's dangerous. I mean, the best way to keep, to keep yourself safe is personally, I stay under strong covering, right? I stay around people that are smarter than me. Here we go. You know, my coverings probably written 30, 40 books, 5 million miles on American airlines and consulted and, and been on ministries and, you know, this whole lot. In other words, I'm constantly around people that, that they're just well beyond me in so many different ways that it, it's, it, I, I, I make it really hard for, when people come to me, oh, you're this and you're that, and they think I'm a genius because I wrote these books and created that 91-day program and, you know, all this and all that. No, no, no. I tell them this, and I tell them this real, real fast. Within five seconds, ten seconds, it, it, it sounds something like this. I didn't write that. The Holy oh. Spirit wrote it through me. Come on. And that's just that's how we got to be, though. Like, And I it's the truth. Well, and that's how it's supposed to be. It gives me a hard time. Listen, listen, I'm the type of person like it's when, the I truth. Read when I read the scriptures, it tells me very clearly. Now, I get where everybody comes from because we like to honor each other. I love them. So I say I give honor where, give honor honor is, where is, due. Honor is due. But as soon as he gives it to me, I'm like, that's his. <laughs> I give it to him. I give it to the father because it's not mine. It's not me that is doing it because he's the one that's doing the good work through me. I'm just the vessel that said, OK, here it is. Yeah, just do what you want with me, and that's where the beauty behind it is. Is when you come to that full realization that it is Him that's it's even that much more beautiful. That's how much more beautiful salvation becomes when you start to understand that He not only went to the cross and died for us and rose again and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, but He's also the one doing the work through us to get us there. <laughs> it's like, dude, all you've got to do is believe on Him. <laughs> It's like, come on! All you gotta do is call on Jesus yeah. Christ as your Lord and Savior and say, guess what? I love you. Take take the will. Oh, you guys I, can't see how red he gets. It's oh, dude, I'm like, dude! He gets like, all you gotta do is read this! Oh, sorry. I was looking at something else. <laughs> I'll you. tell you what God will habitually do in your life if you're on the path to truly bring him glory. He will habitually, habitually do things that are so far beyond your ability to do. He'll open doors that, you know, there's no way you could have done it. He'll do works through you that there's no way you could have done in on your best day. You couldn't do it. He, he will do things in such a way every single time he'll do same. He'll do things in such a way every single time where you can't lay hold of it. You can't claim it. It's impossible. Uh -oh. oh, yeah, I thought he said it's yeah, I, thought he just, I thought we lost you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, listen, guys, I need y'all to understand something. This is if we want to win America back, because that, that's what this is coming down to. How do we win American families back? How do we win? You guys got to suit up. And, I, and I'm not talking about the cowards out there. Get out of the way or you're going to get stomped on. Uh, I'm not talking about the lukewarm because you're going to get spit out. We're <laughs> talking about the people that, that are really devoted to seeing uh, the, the, who are willing to fight back. 
and when I say fight back, I mean love better, mm, get come wiser, come on, humble yourself more, come on, less prideful, come on, more focused, come on, more word, come on. because we can fight back. Oh yeah, you know when, 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 we, when we really look at what's been celebritized and uh, we we look at what's been promoted, it's been a bunch of dysfunction, like, like gangster rap, for example. You know, gangster rap. You know, we, we, we promote it so much ignorance and we celebrate poison and toxic, toxicity. You look at the pornography industry, the $6 billion industry or something like that. You look at all the filth that comes out uh, on the Internet and all this other stuff. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's actually two forms of TikTok. There's the Chinese version where China. Oh, they won't allow their people. They only show like the education and smart yeah. stuff. They let everybody be. And stupid. they're only allowed to be on there for so long. Right. And with, a, with the American version of TikTok, and they allow you, you, know, you can do it. You get paid. The dumber you are, you get paid for it better. We, 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 we call, we call rebellion freedom, right? But we're really just getting dumber, yeah. you know, as a culture. And then if you say anything about it, we live, we live in a generation where a boy doesn't know what a boy is. And a girl doesn't know what a girl is. We live in a generation where people are questioning everything. We don't know. We, we, we live in a generation where we watch the entire, the, the governments of the world shut the church down. We <laughs> saw that. We saw, you know, we, we watch people of God falling. In. I mean, it's a lot of chaos right now. If we want to see revival, we got to get some focused brothers and sisters coming together in unity and standing by the word of God, seeking the word of God, speaking the word of God, and we got to do it on purpose. Nicaea. He keeps saying it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Nicaea. We but, need a new Nicaea. But most people don't even know what that is. Well, That's they should get in their Bible. No, no, that's not, well, that's not, no, that's not their Bible. History. Their history. Yeah, history. You know what I'm saying. Right, but that's what I'm saying is that they don't But understand. the problem is, is if they got into their Bible, then they would come to the full realization we that get, we needed something new to start we over. We got to get back in order with God, back in alignment with God. And the only way that's going to happen is for us to come together and to say, hey, let's break this word down. We got to get in the word. We got to have a real encounter with God. All right, I got to ask. You know, what's up? All right, Clay. Christmas. Oh God. Christmas. I gotta know. I gotta know how much I can trust you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. Where do you stand on celebrating on Christmas. celebrating Christmas and the Christmas tree and all the little things? I'm just asking. I mean, look, I'll love you regardless, but come on. I gotta know. I gotta know. Oh no. Well, I mean, Easter, Christmas, uh, Valentine's Day, I mean, they're all um I mean Come on, just say it, come on. These are these are demonic. Uh, <laughs> All right, I love you more now. We can just end this. All right, the live's done. We're done. I'm coming to Goldboro. No. Yeah, I mean, look, man, these are pagan. These are pagan right. traditions, brother. That were, I mean, it's straight up witchcraft. Listen, listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was sitting here like this. If I had a coin in my pocket, hold up. I was sitting there. I'm like, it's gonna be fifty-fifty. <laughs> it's fifty-fifty. Where is it? Where is it gonna stand? I'm like, where is it gonna be? I'm like, come Ooh. on. Well, let me tell you what we do. Like, we do not celebrate at all uh, or patronize or give out candy at Halloween. Um, and I tell my children why. Uh, and my, my children know how to pray. I've got a 7 and 11-year-old where teachers actually send me videos back of my 11-year-old praying for other teachers. And the teachers are being healed in a public school. I'll send it to you. 
the little girl can brain that fire, son. I'm Come telling on. you. <laughs> Come on. But my little girls will tell you that Christmas, we are not celebrating Christmas because of Santa Claus or anything else. We All celebrate right. Christmas because of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his birth. Okay. Um, and that Christmas is about Jesus. And we have se several uh, manger uh, scenes all around our house. and. Um, uh, that's just the way it is. I mean, I don't, you know, people, people, people appreciate you being truthful with them, even if it's offensive. Right. And if you're demonic, messed up, twisted, witchcraft, invoking, horoscope reading, tarot card reading, yoga practicing, uh, <laughs> If, you know, I want you to be offended. I, I, it, I, you, I, I know I'm doing my job. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know that you don't like me. I appreciate that. It, the gospel of Jesus is designed to offend the carnal and natural man because I am telling you, according to the word of God, you must repent and declare that he is Lord, uh, not yeah. you. Surprise. I mean, I, I mean, it amazes people whenever, I mean, they actually hear somebody say that the world doesn't revolve around them. And, and I mean, what's amazing is, I mean, much less, they can't create a seed, much less a tree. And, and you literally have human beings. You got human beings on this planet running around worshiping creation. You've got Wicca and naturalists worshiping a tree. Have you ever thought about worshiping the one who created the tree? Might not that be a better idea? I don't know. Do you want to well, tell your we, joke? We, we now uh -huh. worship Mother Earth. Oh, yeah. So, hold on. Brother Steve, you got to tell the joke. This is the perfect interlude to the joke. Come on. It is. I mean, come on. This is the perfect one. I never can tell jokes right again. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. Come on. Um, God got a group of biologists together and challenged them to make a man. And they says, not a problem. We now understand the chemical, biological makeup of man. God says, okay, I'll go first. Scoops up some dirt, breathes life into it, and creates a man. The scientists go, oh, come on, that's nothing. They go around, start collecting dirt to get the right chemicals and the right components. And God kind of clears his throat and says, Go get your own dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I like it. I know, right? I like it. I like it. I like so I it. It's like a perfect right. interlude right. to that conversation right there. It's a perfect spot, right. man. Come right. on. He's always right. Look, man. Uh, this has been phenomenal, dude. Yeah. We got to do this again, man. Yes. Listen, Clay, you're whenever we're on, I'll here. send you the link. Whenever we're on, I'll send you the link, man. We got to do this again. Uh, you know, and Steve, you know, you're always welcome here. Always. So, yeah, like, man, hopefully you can come here. Yeah, we still need to go over more of the book. I think you know, I only got six out of the eleven questions done. <laughs> right, but uh, listen, guys, we 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 need you to understand something, man. Uh, this salvation thing is real. Yeah. We're trying to network and work with. Uh, you know, some, listen guys, when I say this, I mean this, we want to work with serious people 
who are trying to do some serious things for the kingdom of God. We believe that revival is here, not coming. Amen. Revival is here. And, and God is bringing men and women of God together Come who on. are not playing out. It, listen, thinking of like, Thinking about getting serious, you're already disqualified. Don't 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 right. dip your toe in and be <laughs> yeah. like, eh, we're, we're looking for people that's ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Who's not afraid to go through some stuff, face some fire, but Come most on. importantly, speak life to one another. Speak life. Uh, we we, we want to build each other up. We want to stand by each other. We are building an army, folks. Uh, we're being an ar army of faith. Come on. We're building an army of believers that are serious about the word of God. We're building an army of people that are not afraid of correction. Come on. We're not. We're building an army of people that are not afraid of rebuke. Come on. We're not, and we're definitely not afraid to sharpen each other. Come on. And we're looking. We're looking for you because we, yes. we, the we, knife. we we need you <laughs> guys. Uh, we need every every single one of you are valuable out there. And we want you to know that we love you and, and Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you. you. <laughs>